Hi, guys. Welcome to a brand new episode of It's About Bravo. It's been an insane fucking week in the Bravo universe. Like Zach has said before, some weeks are so quiet and some are insane. And I'm your host, Modesto. And this week I am joined by a fan favorite at this point, Maggie. Welcome, Maggie. Hi, thank you so much. I am so ready to fucking dive in and just get into it. I know that there's just a lot swirling in the Bravo community. And like, I got some hot takes that I know a lot of your listeners are not going to agree with, but I'm ready to be the fan favorite slash favorite friend of me. Yes. Also, guys, Zach is off tonight. He is living his best life at an Alanis Morissette concert. I can see him now swaying like, you, 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 I don't know. Yeah, 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 I don't know. Yeah. Just jamming out to Jagged Little Pill on the hill. And I don't even know what the, what is that in Cuyahoga Falls? Is that what it is? It's the, uh, Blossom, uh, Blossom Music Center. Blossom. Y'all, for a little bit of background, um, Modesto and I are both from Ohio. I'm sure you know that, but uh, I haven't lived there in almost seven years. So <laughs> sometimes when we reference things from back home for Zach, I'm like, what's that again? Like, what's um, going on? So but, glad. Yeah. So glad he's living his best life. He will be missed, but um, the three of us will be back again soon. Yeah, Zach your, gives your his best. blessing. Zach was like, I feel totally at ease with Maggie co-hosting the <laughs> podcast. This is my first choice. I was working last night and he sent me a little voice memo. And he's like, oh my God, I forgot to have these concert tickets. Can you get Maggie on? I sent Maggie a text and within two seconds, she said, bitch, I'm in. Yes. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Back to back weeks. I know. Incredible. And last week was our most downloaded episode of all time. So let's keep this going. Let's go. You know, right, I work guys. in PR, so I know that. Absolutely. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into... That's my opinion! So it's been a crazy week in Bravo. We had, I mean, I think first and foremost, we got to talk about Salt Lake City. All right. (laughs) Yeah. So we had the taglines this week and then we had the first two minutes of the Salt Lake City episode released and boy, oh boy, was it insane. So basically let's uh, set the scene here. We'll set a picture for you. The ladies are all in a van on their way to the cast trip in front of Beauty Lab. Jen gets a phone call. She immediately says to Whitney, turn off my mic. Whitney is like, what the fuck's going on? Turns off Jen's mic. Jen's like, I got to go. We show the feds showing up to the bus. Everybody's freaking out. What the fuck's going on? The feds are like, we're looking for Jen Shaw. Then you have Lisa like, what's going on? What's going on? And then Whitney brings up the Twitter or the news article and is like, guys, we're a housewife star indicted for a fraud. And then they all just start freaking out. All hell breaks loose. And the question of the season is who called the feds what is going on why are the police here we're looking for jen shaw holy what the is going on she just left wait jen if they were asking about jen you guys what if she's on the run how did they know she was here somebody had to have told them she was here what are you guys doing in there there's a search warrant oh my gosh What? what Real Housewives star charged in massive fraud money laundering scheme. No, I have the no, f- chills. No, no. Her and Stu were charged for stealing people's money. Fraud. What do you think, Maggie? I think before we get into that, like, let's rewind to the juxtaposition of what they did to Whitney in this, where they started with her, right? And she walks in, she's like, hey, I brought my shot ski, like, ready for it. Then 
fast forward 45 seconds, she's like, yeah, Stu and um, Jen indicted on fraud charges. That's fraud. Like, okay, yeah. Thank you so much, Whitney, being the voice of reason. Um, so to get to your question, who do I think called the feds? <sighs> I want to rephrase that. Who do I think told the feds she was at Beauty Lab? Because that's going to be the question that reoccurs. And I think it was Coach. And let me tell you why. He's the one who called her, right? But I don't think he was in on this at all. So when the feds came to his doorstep and said, we are looking for your wife, he was like, oh, shit. Like, I need to cover my ass. I don't even know what's going on. So they're like, where's your wife? And I guarantee, in all honesty, he was just like, uh, she went to beauty lab. She was supposed to be getting on a bus there to go on a girl's trip for her Bravo show. And they were like, let's go. They left because of his honesty. He rang the phone and was like, get the fuck out of there. And who even knows if he said, get the fuck out. He might've just been like, stay put and just deal with it. But she was like, I'm fleeing the scene. So she shot skied herself right out of there. She was like, I'm getting in my getaway car. Fuck those helicopters that they're going to put on the Bravo show for the first episode. Oh yeah. But that's, that's my hot take on it. I think coach just innocently like had to say it because if he lies, then he's in on it and he was just covering his own ass. And plus I don't think he knew what was going on and like, yeah, Meredith and you know, everybody else were like, we'll meet you there. Mary and her, you know, sending Jesus after you Crosby. But, um, it definitely had to have been him that tipped them off. And I think that's going to be such a blip on the radar. They're making it this huge thing. Right. But I think it is going to come out that Jen's like, well, of course, coach had to tell them because he didn't know what was going on because she's going to have to then cover his ass Wait, later. This is, like the greatest, sure. this is the greatest theory ever. It makes 100% sense. So we asked this question on Instagram. Maggie did it on her personal and we did it on the Bravo page of what do you guys think is your like biggest hot takes from this SL, um, SLC clip? And everyone had the, basically the same take of who called the feds, who called the feds, who called the feds. The feds have been watching this woman for now we know up to two years. So they watched all of last season. They allegedly had a informant from, on her glam team from the FBI watching her. So they've been watching her, but it makes so much sense because they went right to her house and he had to have been like, oh, she's at Beauty Lab, like filming Bravo. Like, and then they ran right to there. And that bitch got out of there faster than you can fucking think. She called the aunt with no legs and said, bitch, pick me up. <laughs> it's, it was reported that the aunt picked her up. And I'm like, how's she driving? I, what, I was going to say, picked her up and what? In, in that pickup truck. Oh, boy. So yeah. excited for this season, though. Like, it is going to be an incredible fucking season of Housewives. And like, I'm so sad that Beverly Hills is coming to an end, but knowing that Salt Lake City is right behind them with more legal drama and more real life shit is going to be good. Because Potomac is fucking incredible right now, but it's a regular season of Housewives. You don't have this like insane legal shit going on. So with Salt Lake City, we're going to get that right off the bats of Beverly Hills. Yeah, and I do think that it's going to be interesting to hear if Lisa Barlow did have business with Jen because... She is straight up freaking out. She's wigging out in every scene. She's like, Meredith knows more than she said. Meredith knows something. Let's all just talk to Meredith. She's, she's playing the Eric and Jane look over there. She's like, look over there, look over there, look over there. She's yeah. Like, it's not me. Anyone but me. Yeah, but also she's doing the Porsche to Drew that I spoke about last week and going up to Meredith like, you better fucking tell me everything <laughs> you know. 
off camera. You better fucking text my cricket phone and tell me everything. You better buy some text minutes and you better text me and let me know because there is some shady shit going on with those women. And like Whitney's also freaking out too. So I'm interested to see what that dynamic is. Like, she's like, we're all in trouble. I'm like, how? Because Your the Whitney Beverly Hills women is doing this Your Whitney is so good. I have a bold statement to make. I know everybody's like, oh, like on different like teams and who their favorite Salt Lake City wife is. My favorite from season one has been Whitney Rose. She's just like this gem of like delusion and like blonde bimbo-ness, but is so messy and her delivery is always off. And she just is such a key player. And I think that we are going to have Whitney on this series for a long fucking time. Some of them will come and go, but I think Whitney, Heather, and like Lisa Barlow are going to be stand-ins for this season for a long time. And, you know, it's a perfect segue into their taglines because Whitney fucking delivered. She came and was like, out of the beauty and the beast, like only this why I don't even know what it is. Let's get into the taglines. So the taglines are as followed. Meredith's is, I may be known for my ice, but I always bring the heat. Then we have Lisa Barlow. Is that a toot or a boot for you? Because for me, that's a boot. That's a boot. Okay, let's go into Lisa's. Lisa's is, you don't have to like me. I love myself enough for the both of us. And that would be a fucking toot if her delivery wasn't so goddamn awkward. What was that? I literally felt like she read two of them and then they like morphed them together and they were like, we didn't love either of these. She was probably like, you know, I don't it know. Felt like it, she it, was just, like, it was awkward. It felt like she was like speeding to get it out. She was like, I don't love it. You don't like me. I don't love us enough for both of us. I was like, what, what, whoa, whiplash here. Okay, let's get into the next one. We have Heather. I was raised a Mormon, but now I'm raising a glass of champagne. Boo. I toot it. I toot it. Just because I think that is like her shtick now. Like, I was such a Mormon and now I'm like living my truth. So like, I mean, what else could she have said? Honestly. It's a, it's okay. All right, let's get into Jen Shaw's. The only thing I'm guilty of is being shamazing. <laughs> Okay. This bitch is wild. I toot it, but it is so problematic. Like, I can't even believe that that even happened. Like, when that came over my earbuds, I was like, no, that can't be real. I thought they were fake at first because they opened up with hers. And like every single, like, you know, Bravo influencer on Twitter, it always opened up with hers. And I was like, these aren't the real ones. Because they do those gag ones sometimes. And I'm like, oh, those are funny. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is, she, she, she really went there. Okay. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Let's get into the new housewife, Jenny's. Hers is, I have plenty of everything, including opinions. It's okay. It's a, it's a good, like, first season housewife line. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. whatever. It's there. No. I toot it because a lot of newbies always make it about their family and shit. And you're like, who cares? Girl, I'm not here to watch your kids. If I want to watch your kids, I'd be your nanny. And I'd fuck (laughs) your husband. (laughs) You know? Okay, let's get into my favorite tagline. Um, Mary Crosby's. If you come for me, I will send Jesus after you. (laughs) It's so good. You know what? Back in my biblical school days, when we used to say, what would Jesus do? I wish my answer could have said, you know, being fucking Mary Crosby's lackey because that is exactly what everybody would have wanted to hear. I can't wait to get into her like church cult storyline. Like 
Like, babe, and I mean, this has a lot more going on in the world. There's like literally a plague, climate change. Like there's a lot of shit going on, babe. I don't think Jesus is going to bat for you on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I, yeah, yeah, I, Jesus think, I think may, he's got some bigger fish to fry. Yeah, Jesus may go into the 7-Eleven for you since you refuse, but I don't think <laughs> he's going to go out and scorn some women just because they don't agree with your church. Yeah, I think I think he's uh, he's pretty busy. Now let's get into Whitney's and... In a town full of beauties and beasts, there's only one wild rose. I love it. I thought I love it. I wish that she would have taken season. out the wild. I think it, it would have been better if there there's only one rose because her last name's not Wild Rose. It's just her Instagram handle. And I don't even remember Beauty and the Beast having like wild rose, right? Maybe it, it was. was, just the, it was no, it was just the rose and like the glass thing. Um, I mean, all they're not they're not all that great, but. Hey. Everybody is fucking celebrating it like it's the coming of Jesus and Mary sent him. You know, they're like, wow, these are the best taglines we've had in a while. I'm like, uh, okay, I still think some of the New Jersey ones are better because those bitches My, just don't New even Jersey's care. Were but terrible. But I think Beverly Hills had like <laughs> out of like current housewife, what we have going on right now, I think theirs were probably the best. New York's were fucking bad. In this town, please. Beverly Hills. I mean, New York. In this town. I don't take BS, but I'm sex positive or whatever the fuck it was. Oh, Leah. From your girl. From my girl who was sitting front row at Christian Seriano next to fucking Aquaria from RuPaul's Drag Race. Katie That was iconic. Alicia Silverstone and Lil' Kim. Come on now. This is a Uh place for legends. This is a place for legends. Okay. I mean, okay, so we had another trailer drop this week and it was Winter House. We finally have Winter House. We find out that it was only filmed in 17 days. There's a lot of new cast members. They're all hot as hell. There's going to be a lot of drama. What do you think? I think it was great. So I know a lot of people listening are going to be a little shocked by this, but I haven't, I've never watched one episode of Summer House. And here's why, like, it was really hard for me to separate like my own life from them. Like I know friends who go to the Hamptons. I'm not myself a big Hamptons person. I think it's too crowded, too expensive, too hard to get there. And so too white. it's always like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to leave the city to go there every weekend. Like I don't think people realize from out of town, like when you leave on a Thursday night, you're leaving at five 30 and the traffic is so bad. You're getting to your house at 10 30 then you're going to go wait in line for two hours to get into the same fucking seafood outdoor place that everybody else is trying to go with some fucking DJ who's like a no name, but like somehow got in there because their mom owns, you know, the place or whatever. So like to me, I was always like, no, but then I am a Southern charm stan. So seeing Austin and Craig on my screen again, not surrounded by fucking Madison Shep and everybody else who's just, trash on Southern Charm anymore. I do stand Madison LaCroix girl if you're listening to this because I know you are and you're going to be a Patreon listener someday <laughs> and you're paying for it. I do love you. I think she's probably the most stunning person who has ever graced the Bravo scene. Um, but it was just, it's going to be so nice to see them out of that dynamic and like pulled out of that like Charleston pool of like where'd you go to high school? Did you go to, you know, University of Charleston? Like just you know, it'll be a little bit different of a dynamic. And um, I always forget, Modesto, and you and I talk Bravo all the time. Are you an Austin or a Craig girl? Oh, I'm a fucking Craig. I would sit on that man's 
faith <laughs> until the sun <laughs> rises and then falls again. And I met him a few weeks ago, as we all know on this podcast, and he was a delight, a beautiful soul, so fucking nice. He literally came up and like, shook my hand and like fist bumped me and like touched my shoulder like a million times just being like that broy nice like he was so fucking nice and that makes me love my bravo lebs even more when they're nice so we're gonna get this season it looks like austin being in like a love tr- not triangle like a yeah love triangle between three women who are vying for him hold on let me get this right three girls fighting over austin kroll <laughs> just confused the only thing I can think of is this man has to be fucking packing a huge goddamn dick. I wrote the same thing. I literally wrote, Austin must be a human old baby flip-flop in the streets and a Louboutin in the sheets. I, that is the only thing that I can think of. Like, he must have a designer dick that everybody is like, I've never had this before. God has never created a more perfect specimen from the waist down. Well, waist to knee. I'm sure he has disgusting feet. He doesn't look like somebody who does no, patties and like, take care of himself. Shower. But it's so sad because Austin has hit on me via DM on Instagram simply because we share the same birthday, which makes me super problematic in the stars. Wait, he's a Gemini? (laughs) June 16th is his birthday, which is my birthday. I know when your birthday is. We're two days away. (laughs) Yes, but seriously, when I found that out, I like drunkenly DM'd him. I was like, oh my God, we share the same birthday. He's like, really? What are you doing for it? Send me a pic. I'm like, not no. not send me a pic not this so we also not get this. some drama with kyle and amanda apparently kyle is flirting hard with one of the new cast members who's a gorgeous gorgeous girl and in the cast pick they had him standing next to her and not his fiance <laughs> messy see i don't know that dynamic but i'm already like i'm here so the for dynamic it. i will was, watch winter house for sure yeah it's gonna be good so then the dynamic is that they started dating like in season two of summer house she was like a booty call or season one she'd come over like 3 a.m all the time and then season two she officially joined the cast they started dating hard as fuck and now we're on season six and they're engaged the wedding still has not happened the wedding day was actually on my birthday but um COVID happened so i didn't celebrate a birthday and they didn't get married um but anyways i feel like this is gonna be really good i'm excited for it they're bringing in a lot of new people and the new people are hot there's one guy who i don't even know his name but his abs are fucking incredible and i would like to see him in the nude and was he speaking spanish in his clip he was just rolling his arms i was like i know exactly he he looks he looks to be a european spanish man for sure no i think it's gonna be great and i can already see us three basic bitches me you and zach texting each other episode one like should we go to vermont (laughs) of course i I mean i have jackets for days bitch i got so many jackets i'm yeah i'm ready i've never been so i had never been there i can't ski though so i i mean i guess i don't drink i can't ski i just would like sit on the slopes and drink hot chocolate (laughs) like look for a craig look for a craig with money though i don't think craig has that much money yeah Mm. All right, our last topic in this segment is going to be the Greg Leak celebration of life. Nini had it at her lounge in Atlanta, and almost the entire cast of Atlanta showed up, past and present. We had Portia there. We had Kenya there, who they've argued, you know, they've had like this crazy argumentative like past. Kim Zolciak was there. Uh, Portia was there. Phaedra was there. Eva. Uh, even Tanya, we almost, Shamia, we had almost everybody, like Lisa Wu. I don't think Sheree was there. I think Sheree, Cynthia, and Candy were the only ones missing. 
I believe Candy's out of town though. Candy's on tour and Candy and posted a beautiful tribute to them singing to Greg, which was really nice. Cynthia, uh, nowhere to be seen, nowhere to be found. I don't know. I don't know where that woman is. (sighs) Tough as a Cynthia Stan, tough. Um, I mean, even if was out of town, like you couldn't have flown in someone that you've had such a history for. His husband had passed and Greg was such a good man to you. So nice to you. And like, you didn't come. There's no excuses for that one. Sorry. You got I know, like, in. I'm sure Nini's had shit to say about Simon and Portia, but that man flew her in private to go to his celebration Portia, yeah, of life. Portia was so. out of town and she came right on in. It was yeah, actually and so nice. Saw- like, it was so nice watching the videos, the stories, like the photos posted. It really felt like they were, I mean, they all looked great too. Like they were all just celebrating. Do you hear this motorcycle outside my house? Sir, yeah. we're trying to memorate Greg Leaks. Do not. Do not. Okay. But I mean, they all looked good. It looked like it was honestly a celebration. And like when I die, don't fucking have me a goddamn funeral. Throw me a goddamn celebration. Like throw me, throw me up up in a club and let's have some fun guys. Yeah. I want you to elevate. I don't want you to put me in a casket. I want you to elevate my body looking good. How does that stuff me if you need to? (laughs) I'll just be posed up like this. Like just something a little Marilyn Monroe-esque. And then celebrate me for like two or three hours and get the fuck out but yeah, i want to be in like um, a satin blanche Devereaux like matching like suit because i'm gonna be old at that point i hope and i want to be in like a caftan with like matching like pajama set and just like put me up in the air and everybody party no if we're going the golden girls route which i totally agree with i want you to put me like i said like you said in a matching silk suit put me out on the lanai prop me up on a pool chair sunglasses on like weekend at Bernie's and let's just fucking dance it out. Except for me, I'll know what's going on, yes. but like, <laughs> you won't. Do you know who, had, physically. who was actually wearing sunglasses at Greg's party was Marlo Hampton. She had like this insane, beautiful, like black cocktail dress with these big ass black shades. And I was like, now that's how you dress for a funeral mama. That's how you dress for a yeah. funeral. Um, Erica Jane should take notes because her funeral will be on Friday, September 10th when they film the reunion. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good transition because I I have to get into this. What happened last night on the episode is <laughs> I mean, let's just let's get into it because yeah. I mean there's there's a star of the show that broke out that I didn't see coming. It wasn't on my 2021 bingo card. <laughs> I know you agree. I already saw your social media. Oh my god. And before we kick that off, I did write you a poem in order to have you answer it. So it's it took me literally three seconds because I was like, I know exactly how Modesto's feeling. So let's fucking get into Beverly Hills, baby. Let's get into it, guys. Let's get into our recap of the latest episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Provoking people to come after her even more. Personally, I think she's going about it wrong. It's just inappropriate at a time that this is going on. It sends a message that you don't care. But she keeps saying alleged. It's not alleged what Tom did. What's alleged is that he's lost his mind and he don't know what day it is and he can't remember 10 minutes ago. That's alleged. And that's highly unlikely. I mean, that guy's been active, borrowing money and doing what he's been doing for the last few years. He's suddenly copped the oh, deafen. He honey. suddenly can't remember anything and don't know who he is. 
All right, guys, let's get into the latest episode of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. This was a fucking episode. Every episode this season, I'm like, they can't top it. They can't top it. What do they do? They top it. Like, I Jack totally agree. After that Alanis Morissette concert, they top it. <laughs> oh, poor Zach. I hope you're having fun, babe. I know. Um, so they open up with the dinner party from hell part two. Literally, we get right into it where it ended last week with Erica telling Sutton to shut the fuck up. We start this week with Erica telling Sutton to shut the fuck up. What did you think? I thought it was so aggressive. And like, I know that we had seen clips of that in the trailers and everything else. And at that point I was like, yeah, Erica fucking do it. But like, in the context that it's in, Sutton was totally provoked into like being that character so that the other girls could get answers. Mm-hmm. And then if you notice it, like it's and like of course Kyle's like her fucking bark is bigger than her bite. It's like because you guys have let her be this character for how many seasons now? Like right. of course she's yelling at somebody like Teddy Mellencamp and they did flashback to it. And Erica's like, never say that shit again. Teddy goes, okay. Teddy was about to shit her fucking pants. Yeah, she literally said lowercase okay, period. Like, <laughs> with the smiley emoji. She was like, okay. Um, so everybody let her be this character. Um, but I think as soon as, like, Erica said, like, do you want to get sued? It all erupted. And I was like, do you guys not see that this was Sutton's argument to begin with? And I mean, I know Dorit said it and Kyle said it and whatever. But it's like validating to me that Erica doesn't want holes poked in Tom's health storyline. That's the only again, thing. That, that's the only narrative that she's pushing, and it's what's making her look bad. You can tell when she said, "Do you want to get sued?" and everyone had a reaction like, "Wait a fucking minute!" Dorit was the first one that was like, "Hold the fuck on, Erica! You can't say that." Then Kyle yeah. came on, and then Erica changed it immediately and was like, "Oh, I'm not going to be the one that sue her. Sues her. It's the one who she's talking about's mental history." It's like, ma'am that guy can't win a case to save his fucking life now. Like he's disbarred. He's not suing anybody and you can't afford a fucking lawyer. So nobody's suing Sutton. Yeah. She's like, he's still alive. I'm like, yeah, barely. And I mean, I just have so many thoughts, but it's like, like I said, my opinion is that he came to Erica and was like, this is going to be my storyline. This is going to be my alibi you need to stay on that platform to like help me sell this in. You need to save both of our asses. This is the only way that we're not going to go down with the ship. And like, so she's fighting so hard to have that narrative of like, he's sick, he's sick. And then when everybody is poking holes in it, and I don't know if you saw radar online today, which like take that with a grain of salt, but you know, she's not talking to Kyle or Dree anymore because they're saying like, you know, it's their husbands being like, I don't, I don't know if this is all true, which we'll get into that too, but yeah, allegedly um, she's only speaking to Rena and Crystal and Crystal. This episode is riding very, very hard for Miss Erica Jane. And we'll get into that. Uh, I'm like, yeah. I, have I was that. like, <laughs> like what's going on here? Yeah. Um, I just think it was so funny. And like, to me as a Bravo viewer, I always have to remind myself that like, though they split these things um, week to week, <laughs> like in my um little like pea brain to me they're like all right that's a wrap everybody we'll get in the same hair and makeup next week and we'll pick this up where we left off so kyle being like well no erica you can't say that i'm like kyle it took you a whole fucking seven days to come to that realization <laughs> we all knew but 
like really it was only 45 seconds after we were all like what the fuck so like i have to like train my brain to be like oh yeah they didn't wait a week to say this i just had to wait a week to hear it right um, i mean I, so i do think the moment of the episode was when kathy said erica take a breath and then the beautiful bravo editors who deserve a fucking emmy this season played and then garcelle went hold the breath and then they played like this meditation water music for what felt like a minute long and then the music ended and Erica said don't you fucking come for me calm down take a breath you ever call me a liar again I'm coming for you that was the most beautifully edited scene in Bravo history. That was insane. Yeah, that was a real chef's kiss. But like, oh. I think the real star of the show in the beginning was Kathy talking about how detrimental this dinner was. But then she's like, but I'll have more uh, leftovers later. And I just picture Kathy and her butler just silently eating these leftovers in her $8 million kitchen when everybody has left and just shaking their heads at one another. Like, mm-hmm. can I can picture it? her being like, Patrick, bring the souffle into the room. He comes in and she's like, Patrick, have a seat. And they both sit down and are just silently spoons, silently. gold spoons, eating the souffle, not a word to each other. Kathy's probably on her iPad playing like solitary. And I can just picture it now. So here's a question that I had that I want to ask you that I think, a lot of Bravo fans haven't thought about, but I think we need to because it's pretty clear that Kathy Hilton's like uncomfortable with how chaotic this is. So is there going to be a world in 2022 where if Erica Jane stays on as full time, that Kathy doesn't come back? Because it's only going to get messier. It's only going to be like more chaotic and like, now that Kyle and Erica aren't on speaking terms, I think it's only going to make more of a case of Kathy leaving and being like, all right, I had my fun. I did what you guys wanted me to do. And like Paris and Nick, you're going to be like, leave while you are love. Like, yeah. I don't think Kathy's ever going to like actually like swoop into the drama. But I do think that we all need to like take a beat and be like, okay, if we want Erica Jane to stay for the drama, I think we really need to like, consider that people like Kathy are going to leave and not give us that like comedic relief because they're going to be like, I'm, I'm actually too successful, rich and famous to like, let this happen to me. See, I think Kathy has been like low key, not on Erica's side, but she hasn't been gunning for her because she's wealthy. And I think like wealthy people go through this kind of stuff, not at this public level, but I think she's seeing it as like, okay, you went through this and like, whatever. And I think she knows it's truly not going to affect her life because she is so goddamn rich and so goddamn successful and it truly will not affect her. I think that she did this show, to be honest, to paint a different picture than the Paris Hilton documentary painted of her because that painted a really bad light of her. Having her daughter sent to one of these camps, having her daughter go through all this emotional trauma for years and kind of sweeping it under the rug. So I think she joined this show to be like, I'm a kooky lady. Ha ha ha. And I think think that Bravo will really, really fight to get her back. Like money's not a really a thing for her. So I don't think that they am them throwing a bunch of money. But I think that she's seeing how 
The fans are painting her. She's on the cover of fucking Interview Magazine. She's in all of these articles. And fame is something you can't buy. And Kathy Hilton is old money, but she doesn't really have that fame. And if you know anything about like the big Kathy, little Kathy story, they always wanted fame growing up. They wanted to be stars. Mm -hmm. And she's getting a new level of fame. And I think that she will stay for that level of fame. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I support that. I just think it's, I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be a hard sell for her. I don't think she's ever going to go full time. I think she's going to remain friend up because now she gets to pick and choose when she's going like at Garcelle's. Kyle's like, oh, um, she couldn't make it because of one of her grown children. Like, come on, Kyle, you can use that for Portia, but you can't use that for Kathy. And that's why I think she will stay is because Bravo will let her pick and choose when to come and she'll be a perfect friend of. And I think if she wants to lay back a little low, like next season, let's bring another friend of Camille Grammer and then let's get someone who's messy there. And we can have two friends of Atlanta has about 14. Like we can have as many friends of as we want. And I think if Kathy wants to take the back seat and be a little bit more choosy of what she wants to come to, then Let's get Camille on there because Bravo's having her on Watch What Happens Live tonight. And I feel like they're testing the waters again. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, so Camille would be we, at Erica's fucking neck. I don't know. Watch the Watch What Happens Live. I think it's going to be painting a different picture for you. But I think the thing that threw me off the most was Erica saying, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Like, what do you think that even means? Yeah, when Sutton said, what am I going to wake up with a horse's head in my bed? I don't understand what she means. First, they're going to sue me. Such a Southern woman thing to say. I mean, mean, Erica kept saying, it's not a threat. It's a promise. It's not a threat. It's a promise. And that's what we used to say in like middle school. I'm not threatening you, bitch. I have to promise. I'm going to beat your ass. Like, Erica, shut the fuck up. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Truly? You're broke. I actually. It ain't got nothing going on. Yeah, I had that um, noted as well that like what people tend to forget about older women like Sutton and newbies in general. Like, yes, Sutton was a friend of, but she's full time now. Like the human mind is not designed to handle the amount of fame that anybody is getting, even when you're a D-list celebrity, like especially with social media in the mix, like Sutton before realizers of Beverly Hills probably didn't have any social media clout. And now there's like tons of this swirling and these women like Erica, Lisa, Rinna, Dorit, they're used to it a little bit right now, but like these women have no idea what it's like to be threatened or like have people bully them because they could just pay it off and they live in this bubble in Beverly Hills So when somebody like Erica Jane comes in and says, like, I'm coming for you, it's very jarring to them. And that's why Sutton freaks out, has a panic attack, has to leave, has to go outside, has to breathe. It's like she's just genuinely not used to it. And like, I know that a lot of them are like, don't leave, don't leave. But like, she's she's like, this woman just sat here and she threatened me multiple times, said she's going to come after me, said she's going to sue me, said it was a fucking promise. Then as Sutton's leaving, she's like, where are you going? Bye. There's a door. Bye. I am not used to people hold like on. that. And that will make me leave. Hold on. Bye. Hold on. 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 Like Erica, shut yeah. the fuck up. I just couldn't. And I mean, I'm a thousand, thousand percent team Sutton here, but my God, was Erica giving us good TV. And yeah. So- and honestly, Those give Kathy Hilton fucking a little credit where credit is due. When you're saying there's the door, 
point in 55 fucking directions because <laughs> there was multiple doors that Sutton could have left out of. Give Kathy that respect. There were four behind her, three the other way, two glass ones out of here. You know, come on. Let's uh, the most exits. rich person thing ever. Kathy said was, "Let's just go in the library and sit down and just talk this out." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, I think the best and like just to fast forward a little, um, Rinna doesn't remember a goddamn thing. So we go to the next scene. It's Garcelle and Rinna, who that was the most staged production thing. Like, all right, we're gonna have Garcelle and Rinna get together. There was nothing there other than to be like, we need to move the momentum of you guys beefing. Um, so we get to Garcelle's home, which Rena's like, oh my God, I think this is beautiful in here. I only saw it from the outside when Harry and I dropped off the sauce after that birthday party. <sighs> Saucegate is, I hope, just one episode long because Modesto, I can't do it. I Lisa can't. Renna is trying to make a problem out of not receiving thank you texts out of getting them in person. And I don't think it's fair to Garcelle. And I think she's just trying to be the victim when there is no victim to have. Like Garcelle had actual instances where Renna was not there for her or having her back. And the editors displayed that. And then Renna goes, well, you know what? You didn't thank me after that party. I know you thanked me at the table in real time, but you didn't text me after. And then when we brought the sauce the next day, you thanked me in real time, but you didn't text me after. I would have loved to have turned to Harry Hamlin and said she loved the sauce. She thanks you for it. I'm sure Garcelle was more than appreciative in front of Harry Hamlin's face about them dropping it off to her. And this is just Rena trying to have a conflict with someone and she can't because no one wants to fuck with her because of the Denise Richards shit last season. They were like, no... I'm not fucking with you. And Garcelle shuts it down real quick. But it was I mean, just it was like, just she a, has no real issue. Insane. It was like, Lisa Renna is the best gaslighter in the history of Real Housewives. Like, it reminds <sighs> me of that scene where her and Denise Richards sat down last season and they're just drinking the water back and forth. And Renna's just like, <laughs> Denise is like, what? And then she just takes a sip of the water and stares at her. And she's like, what? The, like, what, bitch? Like, say it. This scene felt, you hit the nail on the head, very much production being like, we can't have this all be about Erica and Sutton, so let's have another scene where we move this story along from earlier in the season, and maybe you guys will have some resolution so we can talk about this at the reunion so it's not an Erica Jane fuck fest for eight hours at the goddamn reunion. But Yeah, and also just, I want answers from Rinna's makeup artist because how dare they sit her in that confessional look and have that beautiful orange ensemble on her and beautiful shadows and everything else. And then that bright pink lip. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I understand we're like pimping out Rena Beauty, but find a nude lip. I was so distracted by it that every time she was talking, I was so pissed about that pink lip that I couldn't even hear what she was saying. And I knew that would piss me off more. But I'm like, how is this happening? Like, don't wow. give her the Lisa Rena hair with no wig and then try and pimp out her like lip line which I thought about buying, but I just can't. I can't bring myself to do it. I like can't support her. I love buying but, Housewife product. I don't think I could buy that. I will say that I was obsessed with Lisa Renna's look this episode. It was so, or this scene, it was so like downtown New York cool, like the loose fitting pants with the turtleneck and the black leather jacket and those Tom Ford glasses. I'm just a sucker for like downtown chic style. And Renna doesn't really display that that much. And she did in this episode. And that's the only thing I liked about her in this goddamn ep uh, scene because it was a lot. No, you can say it in this whole goddamn episode because I feel in, like it was in the whole episode. 
I feel like our girl Kara Radziwill styled her. We were like, oh, wow, that was we're a, getting Carol. That was a Carol uh, outfit to the max. I love Carol is the only one who has ever brought style into Real Housewives of New York. Other than that, it's all TJ Maxx fashion. Tinsley did her style thing in like her cute little West Palm Beach way, but it wasn't like fashion. Carol brought fashion. Yeah. All right, so let's I move feel on. like, hold on, for like okay, you know, the crossover of Drag Race Housewives fans, I feel like Tinsley was Trixie Mattel and Carol was very Violet Chachsky. Like it was like uh-huh. same season, different peeps, mama, like different decades. But yeah, I think that um, Lisa Rinna really brought a look that time, but anything else this season, she's not delivering for me and I'm not having it. She's not. So next scene, we have Sutton and Kyle shopping at this in like, <sighs> it's not even shopping. They were like going to an auction for jewelries that were thousands and thousands of dollars. There was one point where they showed two diamond earrings on the screen and the price was $235,000. And Sutton said, that's such a good price for those. Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> I literally, this scene, and I don't even like want to get into it because it's just so fucking first world rich people problems. Like, I think that they just needed to have Kyle and Sutton have this discussion again to like pull the storyline along for Garcelle's future Haitian dinner. But like, in what fucking world? I literally, like, to me, they were arguing like imagine being so rich that you're fighting in front of like $50,000 antiques about your friend being sued for 25 million like in our world that would be like you and I in front of the Zara sales rack complaining that Zach didn't pay for his portion yet via Venmo for our dinner the night before that is the that is perfectly said it was just like I can't feel bad for you guys right now as you're looking at like Kyle just puts on this Cartier ring and was like, oh, here's my card. I was like, like I'll, I'll take why that are without we- even, a, that's like me going to the Zara sale and seeing a shirt for $2.99 and being like, oh, I'll take that shit. Fuck yeah. Deal. And I'll pay in cash. Here you go. Baby, <laughs> cash, $2.99. Don't even, keep the I just, change. I feel like the setting was just so far-fetched for the conversation being had. Like, I think they should have shopped and had that Beverly Hills rich moment and then maybe stopped at a coffee shop and continued their conversation. But like... It felt very inappropriate. I will say, did you notice when they brought up the Rothschild um, uh, China set and she goes, oh, Rothschild, that's my niece. Nikki Hilton married a Rothschild who's one of the richest families in America. And Kyle was not Mm -hmm. invited to that wedding. If we all remember in... uh, I think it was like, what, season seven or something when she was going to borrow a dress from LVP and then called and was like, I don't need the dress anymore. I, I'm I'm not going. I can't. Yep. And I think like, I think the biggest thing here is I, I fucking hate when people use air quotes. I can't stand it. I work in advertising and public relations. Like air quotes are thrown around me all the time because I'm a woman. Like, oh, well, yeah, I, I loved your idea, but like, you know, creatively, I'm like, what is this if you guys can't see, you guys can't see this right now but maggie's throwing up a billion fucking air quotes and air quotes are the most passive aggressive like second grade thing you could ever do like oh oh god i hate it but Sutton's but- feelings here are so valid because kyle gaslit her and used her as a scapegoat to tell the entire group's 
feelings on the Erica Jane situation and made her out to be this liar and wasn't saying what she was supposed to say when Sutton took her a minute, but she ended up getting there eventually at the dinner and they all used her. And then when Erica Jane fucking attacked her and she panicked, they were all like, oh, sorry, we are your friends. Well, friends don't fucking act like that, Kyle. You say what you feel about it because you and Dorita felt the same fucking way that Sutton has, but you haven't said it once because you're scared of her. So you're using this newbie, Sutton, who's allegedly your air quotes friend to do your dirty work. And it was nasty. That's exactly what it is. And that's why I don't even want to harp on this scene too long because it just, it feels so in poor taste. Like it feels it in very poor taste. And this is a Sutton Strax fan account. Don't yeah. Come, don't come for my girl. Yeah. I mean, you would have been whistling a different tune last season. I, I, I love Sutton, Sutton last fan. season. I was a stand last season. I was like literally fighting for her on Twitter. Give her a diamond, give her a diamond. I love her, and I think that she is going to be here to stay. So next we have Dorit and Kyle's, uh, or Dorit and PK's date night. And Dorit, Dorit was dressed like Amanda from Summer House at the last reunion. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go look up pictures of both of them. She was dressed up the, like Amanda from Summer House, but make it fashion. Okay, I literally noted, I said... <laughs> This is the worst outfit Dorit has ever tried to pull off. And I'm sure Modesto will disagree with me. Oh, baby. <laughs> I was living. It was from Rihanna's Fenty collection. Oh. Her last collection that she had with LVMH. And I loved it. Dorit's weave was on point, but her weave has been looking really fucking bad all season. And this is the best that it's looked because it's been looking very much, it's very much dry. And this, it looked healthy. It was long. I loved the pony. But let's get into the real tea. And that's fucking PK. <laughs> Yes. Okay. So uh, for the listeners, I, I I jotted down a little poem to kick us off here. And Modesto, it poses a question to you <clears throat> and viewers also, viewers, listeners, um, lean in. Roses are red. Modesto, you're gay. <laughs> now that he has spoken, do you want to fuck PK? <laughs> Oh my God. And the Emmy goes to Maggie Burke in a reading PK. Um, okay. I'm gay. I do not want to fuck PK, but I loved what he has said. <laughs> I could not believe that this was happening. And also because like they didn't give us any of this in the trailer. Like they kept this under wraps so that our jaws could hit the floor so we would have to get them reconstructed like Dorit probably had three or four times. I was living. Like I said, this was not on my 2021 Bravo bingo card. I couldn't believe the truth bombs that he was just lighting and then throwing at his wife. And like, I think this is totally going to like throw her dynamic her dynamic with Erica off kilter and like I think that's what sets it in motion and I know that like next episode we get Kyle Mauricio PK and Dorit and I think they're gonna talk about it more at length but like holy shit what are your thoughts I mean, so we get into the scene and PK starts talking about Erica's cringy Instagram post. So we get a flashback to Kyle and Dorit also talking about how Erica posted a picture and said like buffoons can eat my pussy or something. And like, well, she is advertising the Fenty X Savage line, which uh, she's no longer being paid for. 
Rihanna dropped her with the quickness. And then we get into PK saying that this is so inappropriate. And then um, Dorit says, well, she's just saying like allegedly about the victims. And PK says, it's not alleged. What's alleged is that this man's lost his mind, that he doesn't know what day it is, that he can't remember 10 days ago. And that is not true. Like he went. Yes. He ate Tom up. No crumbs. Yeah. And like, as somebody who works in the public relations field, like I was totally vibing with what he was saying of like, you need to think of your reputation long-term. Like, yeah, she's trying to save her ass monetarily right now being like, well, I only have one brand that's still in my corner and that's lingerie and I have to do this. But like, you have to think about what is going to happen and the repercussions of what is going to be about your personal brand, the Erica Girardi, the Erica Chahoy brand when you are Ahoy. done with Erica Jane. Because Erica Jane is done, babe. Like, yes, will the gays go see your shows? Probably, but you're aging quite quickly. Like, you're not going to want to do that forever. You need to have a little bit of reputation. And the thing that like really fucking pissed me off was, I don't even remember what she said, but I was like, what do you mean? Like PK is like, you know, who's really like the victim here is the victims. The victim is and I think, the victims. And I think you could actually see the light bulb go off in Dorit's um, weave. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like, oh my God. Yeah, shit. And like for PK to like come out and be like, yeah, I've had bankruptcy charges worth 500,000 pounds. Like, which is like I a had to think dollars. about who I was going to be. And I even wrote down, I'm like, Zach would have appreciated PK selling his body on the internet for some extra pounds. Like, Zach would have bought it on OnlyFans. Only PKs. Only PKs. Only PKs. Zach would have bought it. But like, it's gross. And we were texting you about this earlier with Zach. Like it's, it's tough to feel bad for her when every single time I'm opening Instagram, I'm seeing her ass, her tits or her coochie. I'm like, I, I'm not, not a single post about a single victim. I also guys, so I watched the housewife and the hustler this weekend on a, actually I watched it on labor day, labor day. I did not leave my apartment. I said, I will not be bullied into doing fun things in the sun because I do not want to do fun things in the sun. I went to leave, not leave my couch. So I was watching the housewife and the hustler. And all I could think of was like this fucking burn victim who was burned alive. His girlfriend died in the fucking fire. And you're over here showing your coochie for all of America and not once posting this guy's photo, this guy's name and saying, I'm sorry for whatever he's going through. And we have both been bamboozled by Tom Girardi. You're not playing into that at all. And that's what's making it so fucking disgusting is that you're over here. Show your body all you want. Put, put your pussy on Instagram, but also put this man's face on Instagram who was burned alive, who you owe money to. Like, Put you, your body on OnlyFans, girl. Put he's going to have to sooner or later because you don't got no goddamn money. I can, but the thing is, like... So when Girardi Keys, they were starting to sell things off, right? They were like, all right, we're going to auction things off. Bravo fans were already going fucking nuts for that. They were like, should we buy this? Like, it's a $400 gold frame fucking plated thing of Tom's face. Like, do I, do I need this just for the archives one day? Right. Like when, you know, I don't think Nicole that Erica dies. Can- she can't sell any of her stuff, though, because she had all of her stuff on Vestier. She had a deal with Vestier where she was selling, which I love Vestier. If you guys ever want to buy a designer for a low price, I bought a ton of my stuff on there. But um, 
just a little tip for you. But when she had, when she was selling her stuff on there, they sent her like a cease and desist saying that she cannot no longer sell her stuff on there. So I don't know if she can make money. I don't even know. She can't sell her belongings though. I know that. Oh, that sucks for her, but (laughs) (laughs) it's just, I mean, it's, it's done in such poor taste. And like, to me, I can't think of another housewife other than Brandy Glanville who would stoop to that level of just like tone deaf, ignorant, absolutely chaotic shit. Like it's, now why and now why Brandy Glanville in it? She ain't even did nothing. That's so now why am I in it? And you could have did it. See, so, I get I wrong did it she never She always does something. Let's be real. I love Brandy. Wait till fucking All Stars too. Then we'll be talking about oh, no. it. But. Oh, that's gonna be a fucking thing. But I mean, like you said, it's just very in poor taste. And we've all been thinking it. And PK fucking said it. He said what we've all been thinking. And he said that her posting this just makes it look like she doesn't care. Her actions make it look she doesn't care on the show. Her Instagram posts make it look like she doesn't care on the show. Her out be talking to the paparazzi every day make it look like she doesn't care about, about what's going on. So do you care or do you not care? Like, at the end of the day, that's what it, what matters. Like, and I guess we'll, maybe we'll hear about it at the reunion, but will we? No. I don't know. So moving on, we go to Garcelle's party, Garcelle's beautiful Haitian event. We see Garcelle getting ready. We see Erica getting ready. The shady Bravo editors zoom in on a candle of Erica with her picture on it, burning in her house. (laughs) And it's like, if this woman isn't this self-absorbed, I don't know what is going on. Who keeps that? Who is like, I don't have much, but I'm going to keep this. I'm the only housewives that I've seen that have had that are Erica Jane and Luann Deliceps. And if that tells you anything about narcissistic housewives, then that's all you need to know. That tracks. If that tracks. So everyone, uh, Rena arrives first to um, Garcelle's party. Rena is always first to a party. And I cannot, I don't, I cannot comprehend that because I am always last to a party, as Maggie knows. I was late to every event. I was three hours late to my own birthday brunch one year. Oh my god, that's true. Yeah, I don't um, anything, so I don't understand Rena coming early. But um, Garcelle. But she also acted like she had just gotten to Garcelle's house for the first time, a second time. She's like, <laughs> "Oh my god, look at it here!" I'm like, "Yeah, it was decorated very beautifully," but like, she just walks in with her head on a swivel, like, "Oh my god, look at it here, so nice, so nice, Garcelle." Oh my god, only saw the outside before, but I love it, so nice, love it. I'm like, you're doing so too Haitian. much. It reminds me of, do you know that clip from Atlanta? So Haitian. So Haitian. Do you know that clip of Atlanta when the dancers are dancing in like their beautiful garb and like Caribbean garb and Phaedra just goes and pets one of them and it's like, ooh, <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. That's yes. what it felt like Rena was doing. She came in and was like, ooh, it's so nice. So, so Haitian, so beautiful, so, so ethnic. And then like wouldn't eat any of the food, like a true like white woman from Beverly Hills. Like it's just so phony. It was so Cameron Westcott with the duck feet. I was like, not this again. Well, let's not, not this I, again. The entire episode, that's all I thought of. I was like, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Exactly. I was like, just swallow that fucking conch. Just eat that conch. <laughs> eat that conch. I don't even eat meat. I would have ate that fucking conch. I would just shut up and ate it. Uh, but as if Renner, but I, she was acting like fish was like this, in, like 
like guinea pig, like crystal ate. She was like, I'm going to try. Like a delicatessen. She's like, oh yeah, my God. Like, it's fish, mama. It's, we eat it every day. But everyone starts rolling in for the party. Let's talk fashion. It wouldn't be an episode of It's About Bravo if Modesto doesn't fan out on fashion. What did you think? Let's talk about the looks. Okay, first of all, I couldn't get past how much I hated Kyle's hair. And I know oh, she I loved, came last. I wrote that I loved Kyle's hair. It's like the best that it's looked all season. I loved how... Oh, God. No, I couldn't do it. Um, I thought the top half of Dorit looked great. I thought Dorit was dressed like the fucking Riddler from Batman. But I, Ooh. the leather pants of it all, I couldn't do it. I think it would have looked much nicer with a different bottom and different shoes. But I did love... Um, I did love the color scheme of the top with the jacket. I thought Garcelle looked like a fucking bombshell. I thought her outfit totally matched the theme. Oh my, when Garcelle walked down those stairs looking like a beautiful Haitian goddess from up above, I was like, holy, she looked like one of the singing sirens from um, Hercules. Like beautiful. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. And this is the happiest Garcelle has ever been. She was just so like in her element, showing off her culture. It was beautiful to watch. Her energy there was, I was smiling through the screen. I will say my favorite outfit by far of the evening was probably controversial, but it was Erica Jane's. I thought she looked like a million. God damn it, Modesto. I knew you were going to say that. Those leather boots, that harness, the pin straight hair. She looked good. I will say her makeup looked terrible though. Look, so let me ask you this. Previously, and you're like, she's showing her ass on Instagram. How dare she? And then she, she comes in good. showing her ass. She comes in showing her ass. She's wearing a fucking Tom Cruise white button down with a harness, leather boots up to her butt cheeks. And then you're like, Live, mama, work. Yeah, <laughs> the boots down. Like I you're was, so gay for her. Sometimes I, I live. I'm an, an apologist. Sometimes I will say this goes back to what I was <sighs> saying last week. Erica cannot afford hair and makeup people. It's always one or the other. And this week it was definitely the hair people because they came in and that hair was laid for the gods. That beat, however, you can tell that she's using one of the people from that little Prime app or whatever it is. Priv, remember that app? She oh, called my- one of. She called one of those people. She's paying $59.99 and they're beating her up with some fucking elf cosmetics and it's not looking good. Yeah, she's like, hey, um, I don't have a yakky bundle this week, so please bring the knits. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, the hair looked good. The outfit was good. I thought she looked amazing. I thought Crystal was dressed to like go to Whole Foods in like a jumpsuit. And I was like, what's this? Uh, Rena's outfit was confusing. <sighs> Sutton looked terrible as well, but uh, I love my Sutton. I mean, Sutton and Rina need to stop being sat next to one another because I'm tired of like the, is that couture? Oh my God, look at your outfit compared to mine. I'm like, this is old. Move along, lady. I know. I mean, well, Rena's acting like she's not fucking wearing like an expensive ass outfit. Like she's, you're wearing Tom Ford and she's wearing Dolce & Gabbana. Like yours is actually probably more expensive and more couture than Dolce. Dolce's trash. So fuck them. Yeah. And again, this is where we get the uh, Kyle thing. Kathy can't make it. Uh, something came up with her children. And thank God somebody cut her off because Kyle had nowhere else to go with that story. She was praising the gods. And somebody was like, oh, she can't make it. She's like, yeah, because she had nothing left to that story. She let that trail off. Like, she didn't oh, know how yeah. to make it up. And, you know, next season, she's going to have to make up so many of these for Kathy. Like, oh, Kathy can't come. She left her like stove. Huh? 
Kathy yeah. can't come. Richard is making another souffle for her. So we get into yeah. we get into the food. They're basically no one's trying to discuss anything heavy because they don't want it to get into another Kathy's dinner part two. So it's a lot of just bullshit, mindless shit. A lot of uh, just just like surface level bullshit. We do get to calling Kyle a cunt, <laughs> which I fucking live for. I can be as well. Like sometimes I just don't get to the point. And sometimes it is truly out of like being uncomfortable. If nobody else is saying anything, you're like, all right, I have to take up space with this conversation. So like Dorit pausing and being like, well, I guess you guys don't want to hear the rest of it. And they like genuinely didn't and just cut her off. And she had to just like move on. I thought that was so rude. Like I wanted to hear about like a beautiful story about going on a date with her husband for the first time. She's like, well, is it going to like last up to dessert? And then they just cut her off. And I liked her and Garcelle's banter. She's like, and how many languages are you going to tell me to shut up? <laughs> yeah, but I just felt bad because like she was trying to talk about her heritage too, which like a lot of people poo poo because they're like, where the fuck is your accent from? And then she's like trying to explain like her style of cooking and where her mom's side comes from. And they were just mean, like, Dorit's shut up, not, like, She's like, she's all right. not just like a white woman. Her mother is like, she's Moroccan. She's Israeli. Like she does have a, she does have a background that's not just like, basic white from Connecticut as they try to push. And she was trying to give that story and they really just cut her off, which was like you said, very rude and in poor taste. Also being in rude and poor taste was Erica on her goddamn phone the entire time because she did not want to deal with any bullshit. Oh, I agree. And like for you to say, um, you know, just basic white woman from Connecticut, that's basically what my 23 and me came back to say. <laughs> I said that too, but it was like, it's a white woman. She's white. Like, not pregnant it's it's a white woman i'm like oh they're like, don't even send Maury, this that's in. a white lady maury that's a white yeah. lady right there they're like no need to ship this in she's white like okay great thank you so much like um but no i European. did <laughs> i'm literally like 99.8 percent european <laughs> <laughs> like tracks. the number one city i'm from is greater london okay oh, great maybe you should develop an accent Maybe. Um, but no, I, I, I do agree. I think that Erica being on her phone was in poor taste. Like, at least try. But at this point, Erica is just going to try and seem just as like disengaged as she can because I think she's just had it. And it's the same way. Like, everybody's calling for Crystal. They're like, she has no storyline. I'm like, do you remember the first three to four fucking episodes that we had to like, drone on and on about her and Sutton like Sutton is has been the pinnacle of every single situation going on this entire season and the only reason that Sutton will not get the seat next to Andy is because Kyle will always have that seat which is annoying because you know it's going to be Kyle on one side and Eric on one side now that they're like feuding it's going to be even more like that and Sutton will get second seat But Sutton has been the saving grace this entire season. And Crystal, yeah, she's quiet sometimes. Yeah, she plays in the background. But like, this is a big cast. And there's a lot going on in this cast. And I think that Crystal will show more and more of it next season when I think she plays into the Erica Jane Allegiancy with Rena. So I think we're going to see a little bit of that trio going into next season. And the reunion will play out. And I think that this cast will not be touched. I think it'll stay the exact same. Yeah, I agree. And I will say about Crystal, like, because it's during, like, COVID times that um, they they have to have continuous dinner parties. Like, they have to just meet at different houses and chat and whatever. Um, But Crystal is the ultimate dinner party guest. She's the ultimate dinner party guest. 
She comes, she sits, she loves any delicatessen put in front of her. She's like, that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. She's like, anything on the cocktails? side of the road, I'll take it. I'll take any. Yeah. And but I mean, I do think her opinion that, like, too. Yeah, I mean, is it, is let's it the go right? to that. Let's go I'm to that. Bye. So everybody awkwardly leaves. Yeah, Dorit and Eric Garcelle are Garcelle gets some jackets, which to me, it's symbol that like, jackets meant that like, Garcelle had an outdoor situation set up and they were going to like film a scene out there. But and it just meant just that awkwardly... she didn't have her heat on. <laughs> like what was going on there? People or were the doors open? Them... Yeah, they take them two by two and like sit with them like blankets. And then everybody's like, well, they did. If anybody listening is from Ohio, people from Ohio will do one thing in order to leave. We look around, we slap our hands on our knees and we go, well, it's time. And we like make up any excuse. Like it's getting late. Oh, I need to do this in the morning. And we exit. It was like, they all did the Midwestern, like, Oh, gotta go. And everybody's like, yeah, me too. Me too. It was the most awkward exit because Lisa Rinna exited as awkwardly as she walked in. She's like, chilly, chilly night. It's chilly. Oh boy. (laughs) I'm like, this is not and then they were good. about to get into like some drama and Tariq goes, oh, you know, I should really get going. <laughs> and then Erica's like, you know, me too. And they just one after the other leave. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, why do they all three just whoop, skirt out of there? And Lisa, Lisa knew that if she didn't leave in that moment, that she was going to show her ass uh-huh. and that Kyle was going to come for it. Because Lisa, she was like, one I'm going to show my ass and Marcel's going to hand it to me. Yeah, uh, Lisa can't show her ass in this Erica Jane situation. She has allegiance to Erica Jane, which we're all going to find out soon, I think, because it's it's weird. She can't show her ass. She can't get into the deep conversations. If it's a big group where they're fighting, like at Kathy's dinner party, she can be off in the corner and not give her opinion on Erica. But if it's a small group like this and Erica and Dorit leave and it's just the five of them left, she's going to have to say something. So she was like, you know, chilly, chilly night. Gonna go to Harry Hamlin. Chilly, chilly night. Um, yeah, and so before we wrap up, Rahal says in Beverly Hills, one of my followers did ask, why is Lisa Rinna so allegiant to Erica? Is it because they're in cahoots together and she's trying to save her own ass? Or is she trying to make up for the Denise Richards thing? And I honestly don't have an answer yet because it's so strange to me. It's like... It's I so night and day from last season, and I can't understand if she's trying to make up for it or if there's something that I mean, we I don't think know yet. It could also be the fact that, like, her and Janice had known each other for 20-something years, so I don't think they were super close friends. Like, they were really good acquaintances. And I think over the years, her and Erica Jane have become really fucking tight. And I think that they're a lot closer than we think. I think they're super fucking tight and they know where the bodies are buried. And they've told each other some shit over the fucking seasons off camera with everything that's gone on. They've spilled eat the beans to each other more than anyone else in this cast. And I think maybe Dorit and Kyle have as well because they are really close. But I think that they know where the bodies are buried. And uh, Rena's like, you know, I'm not going down. I got a lot of shit in my fucking house and I'm not going to, they're not going to find out about the husband. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, please tweet at about Bravo, about underscore Bravo, because I want to hear other people talk about this of like, what the fuck is going on with Lisa right now? Because 
I just, I can't understand it. And I want to hear people's outside perspectives because we talk about it at nauseum as well with Zach and Reveal. That's like our bubble of it. Yeah. But like, please, if you are from a different area other than New York, chime in. Like, is there something going on? Do you have tea? Spill Let it. Let us know. Like, spill the, spill tea. the tea. Also, before we get done with this episode, I want to touch on, or with this uh, segment, I want to touch on Crystal's allegiance to Erica. It's weird. She's going to bat for her every fucking second. And my question is, does Crystal really believe Erica or does she really fucking hate Sutton? That's she the- really fucking hates Sutton. That's She's it. looking for another way to cut Sutton out of her acquaintances without actually having to say it. And I think it's just very much like, hey, listen, you guys don't like each other. You guys don't have to speak to one another. So like now that I have addressed that you guys can be at the same place with some opposite ends of the table, I'm going to sit at the end with Erica. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to talk to me either. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to sit like, out. Put my name card time. next to Erica at all times. I am done speaking to you. I'm done talking to you. Do you like, think that I, Crystal thinks that the fans are going to be so like on Erica's side and they love her and she's a fan favorite and everyone's going to be sobbing and sad for her and the divorce is going on and in her mind, she's like, let me stick with what the fans are going to be with. And do, oh boy, does she have it wrong? Yeah, I again, we have to remind ourselves that like not a lot of this shit came out yet. Like victims was such a loose term. There were no faces. There were no diagnoses to them. There was no tragedies to them. They were just labeled as victims. And everybody's like, okay. So then it was plane crash victims and their families. Right. There was no gas leak explosion, anything else. Like it was just people overseas that like transparently a lot of the Beverly Hills people probably don't think about of like course. that plane crash. I'm sure there was no in memoriams in their social medias about it. But know, it was like, Oh, there's victims from a plane crash. And like in Indonesia, like they're not going to, yeah, it's an, it's out of sight for them. I think that with housewives situation because a plane crash is ultimately when you think about it as like general consumers, it's the airline's fault. Right. But like, you never think the lawyer is at fault here keeping money. So I think it's a very confusing situation for them, especially because none of them really have to think about money. But right. um, it is going to be interesting to see. And like, I don't know if you caught the uh, trailer for the next episode, but oh my God, I cannot wait because Erica goes into detail that now somebody burgled Tom Girardi he had to fight them off. They punched it's, him. He got eye surgery. It's getting just, more like, and more bullshit. Cause everybody knows I'm, I'll say allegedly, so we don't get sued, but that burglarization was so they can hide assets. Come the fuck on his house got burglarized while he's going through this insane, the biggest legal battle in fucking history. They were hiding assets. Come on. Anyone with yes. a brain knows that. I mean, and then she, and then (laughs) here's the thing. She needs to stop because she's like, yeah. And then he flipped his car five times. And Kyle goes, what? How many accidents does this man (laughs) take his license? Revoke his license. Don't just disbar him. Take his license. This man isn't a cat. He doesn't have nine lives. 
He flipped it 12 times down a hill and five times down the road. Like, honey, I'd be dead. And I think I'm pretty well stocked. I'm a twenty-nine-year-old man. I'd be dead as hell. I mean, it's gonna get crazy next episode, and I'm excited for it. This season doesn't look like it's gonna end anytime soon. We still have San Diego. We still have Crystal's Chinese New Year dinner, and I'm ready. Yeah, and for Garcelle, and this is a great cap. And it was the end of the next episode preview. Garcelle just looks at Doreen, goes, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> And with that, let's get into our Real Housewives of Potomac recap. Oh, absolutely, that hoe did. You called me a hoe. I believe you did. Really, and that's appropriate? Yes. Yes, it was. Why is that? Because I felt like seeing it. You have no legs to stand on. You brought because, your wife because you. Yeah, why? To Williamsburg. I'm lying now. To spread lies and bullshit. So, and then you so, took off with so, your breast milk. Y'all want to talk about body shaming, right? I'm so not body shaming you. Calling me why? You walking into a room and body shaming yourself. I'm why? With your big ass face and your big ass oh. forehead. All right, guys, let's get into the latest episode of The Real Housewives of Potomac. This season is. Firing on all cylinders. The cast is perfect. This is the perfect housewife cast is seven wives and a friend of or two friend ofs, and they got it right. This is a good episode. We open up the episode with Karen and Ray talking about their vow renewal. And uh, then we get a Mia home scene. What do you think about the beginning of the episode? So I have a question for you. And it's I know a lot of people have talked about it online already, but like Vow renewals on Bravo have historically just been a kiss of death. And I don't know if that's going to be the case for Karen and Ray. So I don't think you do as well. Um, But my question to you as a Bravo fan, can you name some of the other couples who have had vow renewals who have since split? Yeah, um, Teresa and Joe, Vicky and Don, um, Shannon and David, and I can't think of any other ones. Am I missing any? We might be, but those are the only three that I could remember. You, you thought that and was like, going to be a hard question, Baba. And I also, um, I don't, Karen and Ray are a very unique couple to me because it feels very elevated to this season and not like in an authentic way because if we remember last season she was taking off her mic in her closet and crying she was like i don't know if i love you anymore so i don't know what happened off camera i want to genuinely believe yeah, that like something, something has happened very randomly but like so for me my question to you again is like is this it for karen and ray and why are you thinking yes but going to say no right now <laughs> Yeah, I, I, so my thing with Karen and Ray is their relationship has been rocky since we saw them on this franchise. They've gone through so much shit. They've gone through Ray getting sued. They've gone through the house changes every fucking season. And I think if that didn't break them up, then a fucking Val renewal is not going to break them up. I think they're in it for the long run. I think that, uh, unlike Erica, are they just too old? I mean, I hate to say that because we live in 2021. Like, I think couples can do whatever the fuck they want. Right. They can. You can. My mom is 67 today. Happy birthday, Ada Burke. I love you. 
Happy but birthday, like, I love her. She's still, she's still beautiful and, you know, spirited. Oh, your mom's and a stunner. Else, yeah, she can still date. So, like, I don't want to be like, oh, are they too oh, old? Oh, yeah, I mean, but, like, same with my mom. When my you've been together like, that long. When in her 50s, and she's she's out there getting it. But our our mothers have been single for quite a while. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like, are they just too far in to be like, they, all right, why would we do it now? Right, why would they separate now? And I think the thing with uh, Karen, unlike Erica Jane, is she's going to hold that man's hand till he dies, as Erica said. Karen's actually going to follow through and hold that man's hand until he dies. But I think that it's just like, you're right. They're too old. They've been in this relationship for too long. They actually do love each other. They're real marriages. Marriages go through ups and downs. Like I think they're in it for the long haul. And if they get divorced, I'd be shocked. I'd be shook, bitch. I'd be shook. Yeah. Which I guess takes us into the next. So after we see uh, Karen and Ray talking about it, we get into Mia and G who I think that, and I hate to say this, but like, I think G is going to go the way of Michael Darby, where it's like, he's pretty harmless in the beginning, but I know that we've seen previews where he's going to get pretty out there and inappropriate. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're all going to cringe a little in a bit. Um, but as of right now, like, I think it's very nice that he comes upstairs and helps her with you know, outfit selections to see her mother. I love that it's probably 10 a.m. and she's having a mimosa already to tame her nerves. Yeah, Um, this was a very um, Mia-heavy episode. Which I appreciate. Well, okay, we'll we'll get there because I know there are other things that we need to talk about before we get to Mia and her mother, which I have a lot of opinions on. And I... Yeah, I will get into it. So I think that that Mia... Mia and G compared to Ray and Karen are two very different couples, but I, I do think that Mia will also hold G's hand till the end. I think so. Even though she doesn't know his age, she's going to be like, honey, are you dying? And are you 60 or are you 70? Because I can't. She's like, uh, when, when are you going to go? When are you going to leave me all these chiropractic businesses? Um, I think I like their relationship too. I will say Mia's wardrobe when she was looking for an outfit to see her mom is very much Fashion Nova, pretty little thing with designer bags to to elevate. Yeah. I agree. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, this is It pulls out like that that matching um, sparkly like pant and top option. It was a crop. I'm like, you want to see your mother after X amount of years and that? Still better than anything Giselle could put together. <laughs> oh, we'll, oh, we will get into Miss Giselle Bryant's outfit later in the episode. Yes, we will. So then we but go first, to Wendy. Let's get into Wendy and Eddie yeah. talking about Giselle because this was such a small moment, but so iconic because, like, oh, God, you feel for Wendy. And I, I'll say this Giselle knows the assignment, but she doesn't know boundaries. So like, yeah, there are tabloids talking about Eddie, but mama, you didn't have to say it on camera and like, you you won't talk about your own shit. Yeah. She got incredibly squeamish when they brought up her and Jamal later in the episode. But I will say, are there tabloids talking about Eddie? Cause I didn't see one of them and I'm a Bravo. We both are. We stalk Bravo, Twitter, Bravo, Instagram. I got fucking Google alerts basically for these bitches. And I did not see one thing about Eddie. I do not believe these Eddie rumors. I believe he is a good man. And when they went into the fact that he basically 
disowned his family who hasn't even really seen a lot of his children or didn't go to their wedding for this woman. I doubt he's going to go fuck Mary Jane down the street for Wendy. I don't think it's happening. Did you hear exactly? The, did you hear the tea though that Wendy was Eddie was um following like 250 big booty pages? <laughs> no, but I love that because <laughs> I love it too. And we'll get into this as well. Like, you know, I love my boyfriend, but if I if I'm truly sitting here thinking that he's not following Instagram thoughts and liking their pages when their ass is out or they're like new, tried out those influencer leggings, uh, trying to look for my boys, you know, my man's like reaction. Like, I know he's following those because he sends them to me and is like, yo, what's good right. with these leggings? If you I know? ever start dating I someone, I want them to be okay with the fact that I follow an insane amount of shirtless men and on Twitter, all of their dicks are out and I follow their only fans. Like, if you're not okay and you're not yeah. sending those to me too, there was this one Twitter gay who's like a comedian and he was like, you guys need to stop DMing my boyfriend about me like hitting on you guys in the DMs because like we both are sending these DMs to you. Like it's not just me. So shut the fuck up. And that's the kind of relationship yeah. that I want. And I'm sure Eddie is showing Wendy like, look at her big ass. And Wendy's like, ooh, go off. Screenshots it, shows it to her surgeon, gets that ass as she should. Yeah, in a heterosexual couple, you know if your man is an ass man or a boob guy. Like there's two different breeds and you can't be both as a heterosexual man. You don't have the <laughs> emotional or mental capacity to be both. You only get blood rushing for one. I know that my boyfriend's an ass man. If I, if they were like, do you know that Raphael's following 250 booty accounts? I'd be like, <laughs> why is it 350? <laughs> like do the work, put in the work. Like I'm doing. <laughs> like you gotta follow like, I'm not Come stupid. On. But I do think that like, and we'll get into this too. Potomac has a great way of like feeding storylines in a different scene. So it is, it's one of the best ones to talk about, but it is one of the hardest to do in a, a podcast setting because there's so many things that you're like, okay, well, this is feeding into this. And it's, so, mm -hmm. you know, it's a good season and a good franchise and a good cast. Cause they're um, all, play, it's like a web. They're all playing into each other in some way, how housewives should be. There shouldn't just be one major focal point where everybody's talking about it. Everyone should be having a storyline that's tying into each other. So next. Yeah. And I do believe, hold on, before we get into right, that, let's go, let's go. What? I do want to say that I think Wendy is bringing the looks this season and even in that scene with Eddie, it's very, it's not flashy like Beverly Hills. She's giving me Kenya Moore vibes because Wendy, after surgery, now's like, she knows how to dress for her body now. And mm -hmm. even a simple white tee, the cut, the tank top, the jeans, high-waisted, the shoes, the earrings, like she's so put together. And like, very if anybody asked me what my... If I had one style icon out of Bravo so far, it would be Kenya Moore because she does dress in a simplistic way that's still like elevated. Like, yeah, I'd love to dress like New York or Beverly Hills, but like, I know that's not realistic on my budget. Like Kenya and Wendy bring the fucking looks, whether they're at a party or just hanging out at home. And I do appreciate yeah, that. They wear a good um, bodycon dress or a good like... Something good that fits the body and then a good shoe and a good bag. And Wendy has looked good yes. all fucking season. I will say her boobs were laying perfectly in that silk white camisole. She looked incredible. <laughs> and uh, that's so, coming from a gay man, y'all. 
I mean, honey, if you know one thing, I'm going to talk about the fashions. Let's get into some terrible fashions. So Giselle and Robin have a podcast um, and they are recording said podcast, which I would rather get punched in the motherfucking face 15 times by Conor McGregor than listen to this podcast. First of all, I appreciate you knowing who Conor McGregor is. That's very He's hot and I follow him. <laughs> he's so problematic. We'll get into he that is, after the episode. Okay, so the first thing that I want to note is that the podcast name Reasonably Shady is so fucking dull and so them that like I can't even I I, I literally noted reasonably shitty podcast the name is as invigorating as Giselle's closet and Robin's personality like it's a it's a d plus at best I'm like you guys couldn't come up with anything better than like Robin's jizz or something like that let's fucking get a little enthusiastic about it let's get a little talkative you know how long it took Zach and I to fucking name this podcast it took us months we were going back and forth for months we had so many options a lot of them were taken our first I believe our first thing that we said was the morally corrupt Zach and Modesto but somebody had that but it's about Bravo is so good because guys, we're gonna spin off soon into it's about other things, and you just wait, keep listening, and we'll keep spinning off. But um, they're okay. They're well, that's of- great and all, but that name is just as bad as Husbander. So oh, I will oh. say that. But Husbander and I, have you have you listened to an episode? No, I just said I'd rather get punched in the face by Conor McGregor than fucking listen. I'm not listening to that shit. What did you maybe you did what? both? I I mean, mama, let's get into it. Um, what Housewives or Bravo podcast do you listen to? Because I have a list and I, or I have listened to, because every fucking Bravo celebrity has a podcast now. And the issue is they start a podcast. They realize it's a ton, shit ton of work. I'll tell you guys, me and Zach bust our fucking asses off for this podcast. It's not easy. And then they stop the podcast because it's too much work. So everyone starts one on Bravo and then they all stop it. I don't really listen to that many. My first podcast that I started with was straight up with Stassi. Problematic, I know. But that's what got me into podcasts. And I listened to hers religiously. And I can't really think of any other Bravo lab that I listen to. Let me check my podcast, actually. Okay. So the ones that I listened to, I did listen to Bethany Frankel's for a while. Oh, but then, Beth- like... Yeah. We, 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 we texted about that. that. And we both fell off. Yeah. Yeah, we both fell off. It it just became too dull, and I felt like the material was just all the same. It wasn't um, good. Another that I listened to and I like kind of enjoyed was Heather Holla Thompson's. I mean, I listened. To I like know that the name has some controversy around it, but like, I did enjoy her podcast. I thought it was really thoughtful, and I thought it reflected like who she was as a Bravo celebrity, and it wasn't like forced. Yeah, Wait, I and then those. I love that it was the focal point of the beginning of Roni this season. I was like, okay, but nothing she said was wrong, but it was super juicy and super good. But like, I remember listening Housewives, to that episode and texting you on the subway, like, oh my fucking God, she's talking about them doing coke in St. Bart's. And we all knew yeah, it. And having a they just said it. Um, I listen to someone who doesn't get a lot of credit, who's had a podcast for about like seven years now and who's like never missed an episode and who's really good at podcasting is Brandy Glambell. Her podcast is good. She goes there. She's had good guests on. She's had Andy Cohen on. That was a great episode. I don't listen to it week by week, but I do catch it a lot. And she's had this podcast for so long. Same name. 
same like producers, same co-host guy. And it's been going and she deserves a round of applause for that. At least we know she needs the money child. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think I could ever listen to Brandy. Um, I don't think there's any others. I'm a very, I mean, I listened to Bitch Sash. I did Love listen to Sash. Jackie for a while, but she got too much. Yeah, I don't listen Sorry to Sorry if her. you're, was it Bitch Bible? Sorry if you're a Bitch Bible fan. It just became too, too much. And I'm like one of the founders of Team Too Much, but like that was <laughs> just a lot. And like I originally listened for Bravo and it just, became something different but i i will say to your listeners and i promise this by the time i come on the podcast next i will give one episode of reasonably shady a chance and i will see what it's all about but i cannot see myself loving something that robin and giselle put together in fact i didn't even like the material that they were bringing this This episode episode. cheating i uh, again I hate that Robin and Giselle talk about cheating and then it's everybody else's problem and they're like, not ours. So for example, 22% of men cheat. This is what Giselle starts off with. 22% of men cheat. Okay. (laughs) Giselle and Robin, you two both are currently with or just have broken up with men who cheated on you. So like, okay, great. Then for Giselle to carry on that 350% of men who cheat once will do it again while she's sitting next to Robin Dixon, who's like, I'd never take my man back again if he did it again. I'm like, this is so chaotic. Like, are we a unit in this or are you guys battling it out? Because I either want like a full on fucking Harvard debate team podcast where Giselle says 350% of men. And like, what is 350% of men? Does that mean they're going to triple and then some, and then they're going to use their dicks to fuck other people? Because I love that. Bring on (laughs) three, bring on triple the men in the universe because you know, whatever. But like, either have that or stop using that as a marker and like not having it go anywhere because for Giselle to say that 350% of men will cheat again. And then Robin to be like, yeah, so Juan and I went through this, but like, I'd never take him back. I'm like, girl, let's talk. And she's like, I, I let everybody, you know, walk all over me. I looked past it. I'm like, this is so bad. And like, I want to, I want your take on this. And I know that we'll have differing opinions because I know that a lot of gay couples not married have a different opinion on the openness yeah. of relationships compared to heterosexual couples. So I mean, Giselle I mean, if says, for me, yeah, Giselle says basically one night stand. Oh, we can get through that. An emotional relationship. We can't move on. What's your take? My take is, I mean, for me personally, I'm, I don't do relationship guys. I'm 29 years old. Never been in relationships. I fuck like a (laughs) fucking crazy rabbit. I fuck like every weekend, but, um, anyways, (laughs) I I get a lot of dick. Okay. But I don't, I just can't do relationships. If I were ever to get into one, it'd have to be 
not per se like open open but like we can bring other people in if you want to do your thing once in a while you can do your thing once in a while i just want to know about it so for gay men it's a little bit different not to put a stereotype on us but there's a lot more of gay relationships that are like that but i think if you want to be in this monogamous relationship gay straight whatever the fuck you identify as and you are saying that you're okay with your man stepping out once in a while and if it happens we'll get past that like that's not okay. If you guys set that boundary and they cross that line, they're going to continue to cross that line and step all over you. If you give them an inch, they will take a mile, mama. Like, they, these two are just the face of hypocrisy for me. I cannot stand them at all together. I will never be listening to an episode of Reasonably Shady. And I think that they're reasonably stupid. I just can't get behind these two. And I think that it's dumb. And then when... The producer wanted to ask Giselle a question about Jamal. She got super squeamish, started touching her ear, got uncomfortable. And it's like, oh, so now you know. She what said she was joking. Yeah. She said she was fucking joking. She's like, yeah, if you would have told me that 350% of men were cheating again, you should have told me that two years ago. Like, bitch, we did. Karen did. And you hate her for it. Like, Giselle, you, you weren't joking. The only thing that's a joke, Giselle, is your life. You've never had a man stand behind you and you're never gonna because of your personality. I just can't anymore with this podcast and I just can't with them. So anyways, we get into a scene next with Chris and Candace and... Candace basically tells Chris that Giselle was saying that he was trying to ride her coattails on the Williamsburg trip. And Chris basically gets pretty pissed off and is like, we find out that um, Candace was basically a host at one of Chris's restaurants when he didn't have a team. And like Candace says, we are supporting each other in this relationship and their beautiful ebony and ivory relationship. And I, that's what I've been saying all season is they are trying to level each other up. As we see later in the episode, there is issues with that. But of course, there's going to be like they're not riding any coattails. They're both trying to use the housewife machine smartly and trying to level up. I agree, but I, I don't think Chris is riding her coattails, but I don't think that Candace actually buys that they're trying to like support each other because he's fully supporting her now. And when he's saying things like, OK, but I have you know, these public classes that I need to teach. And she's like, well, what if something goes wrong? He's not actually scheduled for something. She just is like, well, what if I need you? And that's not being a supportive partner. Like, yeah, he's trying to go make his own coin. Like, let him go and do his thing. He's trying to do the opposite of what Giselle's accusing him of. He's trying to have his own thing on the side and not just be your fucking husbandager. And like he says later in the episode, find someone else to do this for free because I'm not... So during this scene, we get Candace being the funniest she's been all episode. She is trashing Ashley for goddamn Phil. She's dragging her. She says, Ashley walked in and got her titty milk gleefully. And she says, no, forehead, you weren't being nice. You're being messy. Ashley and her forehead were in there getting her breast milk because she was getting ready to leave. And I saw her gleefully as she's in the fridge getting her little titty milk. Being like, well, that didn't go how I thought it was going to go. That is not how that was supposed to go. Just not. She drags her this entire scene. And I was just like, God, she's mean. Okay. So I've had a problem with Candace the entire time she's been on this franchise. Until this season. And until this. Well, not even until this scene. We'll get into what happens at Robin's birthday. But like, Candace rides a fine line of humor and just absolutely 
trash human that like I cannot even get behind. Like there are instances where like she does say something funny when she said that shit about Mia's feet and the producers like zoomed in. Like that was funny. That was big ass feet. Like that's humorous because it's like factual. Like all of us as fans, we've heard you talk about Ashley's forehead and her face numerous times. And like, it's, it's old. And like, I don't the think Ashley thing, that's big, hilarious. I don't think Ashley has a big forehead. I've never noticed Ashley's forehead. Like I'm confused. The titty milk thing is hilarious because like Ashley is doing is that to like, yeah, she's like doing that to like better her children. So you can be like, yeah, she has to do it. But like Candace wouldn't understand that. But the constant like berating of Ashley and her face and forehead, you're like, all right, come on. And she kept being um, like, so Ashley's trash, you're trash. She's a trash human. And Chris is like, okay, now you're just being mean. Like, Yeah, and I, honest to God, like, it was just, it was a lot. And like, I think Candace is beautiful, but like, I can't look at her and be like, you're such a beautiful woman because I think she's so ugly on the inside. She's so ugly and on like, the inside. And this hate for Ashley has- is very one-sided. It's like, She's so bothered and worked up by Ashley. And Ashley is so un Ashley is the epitome of unbothered. Her husband's not been on grinder, been cheating on women, been all fucking sexually harassing producers. And Ashley is just sitting there sipping a corona light, worrying about her two damn kids. She is the epitome of unbothered. Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of Ashley, then we move on to she and Michael at the fucking baby massage therapist, which like I didn't even know this was a thing. Speaking of things I didn't know, I had no idea that this baby's name was Dylan until this episode. (laughs) I was like, really? I had no idea. It was like a shock. I was like, oh, who's Dylan? And then I looked up and I, because I was taking notes, I look up and I was like, oh, that's their kid's name. Yeah, I have a confession to make. So I'm obsessed with Ashley. I love seeing what her life is just because I can't believe you're (laughs) married to Michael Darby and like, having this cute of children. And I do think that her kids look completely different. I think Dylan is very much Ashley's baby and that Dean is very much Michael's baby, but I love checking in on her Instagram. I think she has really inspiring shit. I think like her body transformation has been great. And she's so open about like postpartum and stuff that like somebody like me who like doesn't have children at 30, but could possibly have them later in my thirties. Like she has, I'm like, okay, this makes me feel a little bit better. Um, but when we get to the doctor with them, I could not stop cringing. Cause I'm like, Michael, just shut up and let this fucking doctor talk. Like anything that she would try and say, he was just talking over her. And it's like, thank you, Lord Voldemort for the Hogwarts entry exam. But I'm just here to help your son and your hot wife, because obviously you can't like, Please give me my money. Let me do my thing and get out of my face. Wait, before you said that, while you were talking about Ashley and like her Instagram page, I was like, wait, I don't think I follow Ashley Darby on Instagram. And she's one of my favorite housewives. I don't know how I let that slide. So I just went on Instagram and followed Ashley Darby. I think out of Potomac, I only follow Karen and Monique. And now I've changed that. And now I follow Ashley. Yeah, I unfortunately follow everybody under the sun but like, oh, I do too. Sometimes I just with housewives, I follow every single housewife on Twitter, like everyone. But on Instagram, but y'all I'm follow a, their nannies. I'm that in. <laughs> well, on Instagram, I'm a little more um, choosy, but I was on the wrong side of history on that one, guys. And I changed it and I now follow Ashley Darby on Instagram. 
as you should. But yeah, I think she is Period. one of the ultimate housewives. And like, she's the most real and she's given us everything every fucking season, except for Never a husband that anything. is worth her yeah. time. So again, we're getting back into this fucking doctor and he is just so, he's team too much in this instance. And when the massage therapist is like bumping him around, she's like, oh, his shoulder's tight. I literally noted, like, Michael is making note of this, how it's going to go down so he can pay extra on the streets for it. Like, bumping <laughs> him up and down, rubbing his shoulder. I'm like, this is so fucking I mean, gross. No, Michael's, like, going to email her and be like, so do you, uh, do you uh, like, adults as well? Or is that, like, an extra? I could show up at your house. Like, it's anything you need, I'm willing to pay. And let me tell you, I would have appreciated that more than his conversation with Ashley on the way home. I... Could that have was vile, been, vile. I, I, if I were actually, I'd have been like, I'm not opening my own car door. I'm opening yours and just <laughs> kicking yeah. you right the fuck out. When or he I would said, have thrown myself out of the fucking door like Ladybird, Ladybirded it. <laughs> when he said, "You're quickly getting back into shape, which is great for me." Quickly getting back into shape, which is great for me. And um, you certainly don't look like you're overweight in any way, shape, and form. So I find you very attractive and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Michael, shut the fuck up. You don't even have a proper dad bod. When he takes off his shirt, he probably looks like one big 75-year-old varicose vein. It's just <laughs> this stomach that's like from out of Men in Black. That's like, you like this baby? And you're like, no, I'm sorry, PK. I just did your accent. Cause I can't do Michael Darby's. I try not to think about him as much, but like, Oh my God. I, if I were her, I would have just looked at him and been like, do you see yourself? You red eyed little freak. Do you think that she's playing like Elvis said in uh, a few episodes ago, like, is she just playing the long game to get this prenup money or what? Because she stays shut so often. And like earlier in the scene, she was like, yeah, I'm really, you know, really tired and being up late trying to feed the new baby whose name I just found out is Dylan. So I'm trying to feed Dylan and she's like, and it's really making me tired and I'm not up for Michael. It's like, why are you worried about Michael? You're like a month postpartum. Why are you worrying about this sweaty red eyed demon? Um, no, I don't think she's playing the long game and it's because he's not successful enough. Right. He's I not mean, owning any restaurants right now. Now he wants to be a producer of movies. He's going by way of Randall via Lala. It's very like, holy shit, what's happening here? And like, I don't know. If he were as wealthy as Mauricio or, you know, Sunstrack's ex, maybe, but like, he's not. And Ashley's going to start bringing in more of the bacon. And I think. That's going to play into it. And I thought after Dean, maybe she'd leave. But like, whew. I mean, now it's two. It. I'm like, she ain't going nowhere. Yeah, she could be doing the Kourtney Kardashian thing when you want to have a lot of kids by the same guy and then she'll leave. But who knows? I mean, she needs to get the fuck out of that situation because that man is a terror, a menace to society and a true demon if I've ever have seen one. Yeah. It's it's tough. Oof. Then we get to uh, a home scene with Robin, which I'm just so delighted to watch. Um, she t- starts talking to her kid about her, basically her fake storyline with seasonal depression. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that a lot of people have seasonal depression. Me and Maggie are two people who have tons of fucking mental health issues. And we're constantly texting each yeah. other about our depression and our anxiety, which is very much real. And Robin is just playing this up for camera. Like, 
trying to move the story along with your kid and telling them that you need a life coach. It was cringy. It was icky. And it made people who actually have mental health issues like me feel really icky and weird because it's just reading as such an inauthentic facade. I totally agree. And like, my thought was that she was originally supposed to have this conversation with Juan and he was like, fuck, no, I'm not doing this. And they were like, Carter, are you awake? Did your mom get you up this morning? Okay, come on down. We need you to sit in. And he's like, what? What do I know? And they're he literally like, was like, hey, do anything. you know how I don't get you up every morning and I'm so tired <laughs> and so lazy every day? Hint, hint. Yeah. Like, no, basically. Mom, your life's pretty together. And she's like, no, my life's not together, Carter. Right? Hint, hint. Hey, so Carter, don't you know how I kind of like, I wake you guys up really late for school and then I get back in the bed and then I like sit around and kind of like, I like waste a lot of time during the day when I could be more productive. My first thought is to maybe talk to a life coach. Hmm? Like a person that helps you get your life together. Really, your life isn't together. I am about to turn. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know how I waste a, a lot of time not doing anything because I only work seven months out of the year on Bravo. So when I don't need to, I won't. Um, I think I'm going to go to a life coach, and I'm like, no, bitch, you need a therapist. You guys need a couples therapist. You need a single therapist. A lot of things. And then she just calls up the life coach and is like, hey, I need a life coach. <laughs> it was the most. And the life coach goes, yeah, you don't need a therapist. You need me. I'm like, this is this is essential life coach talk. Like, thank you for coming to me and I'm a therapist. That'll be $200 a session. It was very much Dorinda Medley going to the um, health and wellness for that chiropractor who's She's going to a chiropractor <laughs> slash life coach slash spiritual advisor. As they told mm-hmm. Sonia last season, Robin, if you're truly having these issues, which I don't think you are, I think they're very played up. Don't cancel me, guys. I, this is just how I feel. Um, coming from someone who has extreme mental health issues. It's just like, I know that they look different on everybody, but they're, it just seems so inauthentic to her. And it doesn't seem like it's a real heartfelt story. It just feels very put on because she doesn't have another story. And it's just, it's weird to me and it's icky. And I don't want to get into it anymore. So let's move on to me. Well, it's just other. icky. Exactly. And that is what I was going to say. It's icky because we go directly from Robin to Mia, which and I now think this a is a real storyline. No, you don't no, think so? I disagree. I disagree. Oh, I, I think I it's a it real was... raw storyline. You you get into it, and then I'll give you my opinion. With me and her mother, it just felt very awkward. It felt very much like they haven't spoken in a long time. There isn't a relationship there. That little girl and Mia yearning and wanting for her mother is still there. I thought it was very uncomfortable. It was sad, like hearing her mother's story about how the man got her into drugs and how Mia got third degree burns and she came home and found the man in bed in the basement with another woman and how she's just been in and out of rehabs. I feel like there's just so much uncomfortability there. It was very, very awkward and very, it was sad to watch to me, but apparently not to you, Maggie. (laughs) What do you think? I think it was a great conversation to be had, but I hate when newbies plant their parents to have these tough conversations for their first seasons as a hook for a second, because it was was definitely in my opinion, 
yeah, in my opinion, and I hate doing that because I come from a single mother as well, who probably has some demons in her closet that like I would never use against her in order to get a second season, like be authentically yourself, use your rich husband, use your lifestyle, go shopping, do whatever, get on a PJ. I felt bad. I felt bad for, the mom, for sure. Yeah, exactly. The mom felt, like, the mom felt, felt like she was like so she uncomfortable. Was totally, yeah, I felt like she was totally bombarded. I think that she was sold into going to lunch over one thing. And then like when the conversation started happening, she's like, I don't want to talk about that. You're like, I, I don't, don't want to talk about there. that. I thought we were catching yeah, up and, it, and you were going to tell me about the kids. and Yes. And then Mia goes, why? It's like, bitch, what do you mean? Why? This is terrible to even ask your mother. And like, the only thing also, I Also, how many say, times has I, Mia tried to have this conversation off camera with her mom? Because Never. It, never, exactly. Never. I get what you're saying. She now, even but. said that to G earlier. She's like, you know, I haven't seen my mom forever. I'm like, you and I guarantee, and I hate to say this, I guarantee that they offered her mom money to have the conversation as like a guest role because there is no way that she opened up like that. And like Bravo has a sneaky way of probably paying people to come on and do stories like that, which I think Whitney's dad in Salt Lake City is an example of that because once the camera stopped rolling, homeboy was out. Out, and nowhere I, to be seen. Yeah, when Andy unfortunately, I think that's what's going to happen to Mia. Like. I will yeah, say really that sad. as I will say that as somebody who is, you know, unfortunately had those close to them, uh, you know, commit suicide. And it is Suicide Prevention Month. I do think it was an important conversation to be had that Mia's mother opened up about it and said, like, yeah, I survived and he made me want to do that. But yeah. do I think that that was purposely put into this scene during the month of September. No, I think it was just a way of Mia to like ugh, exploit her past to like make up for either shitty further behavior that she's going to have or like a storyline. It's just, it's, it's gross to me. I would never do it to my mom. I know you would neither as somebody with a single mother, not. like, you just, especially when you never talk to, I'm very close with my mom. You're very close with your mom. Like, yeah. and I'm not close with my dad. I can yeah, never same. see myself. And, you know, my dad has his past, but I could never see myself getting on a reality show and then being like, you should call your dad and try and have a conversation. I'd be like, absolutely not. Just don't have me on next season. Like, yeah, same. There's that's my own mental health that I don't want to have to. Right. Same. My dad has passed. And I've like, I've never even had a conversation with him, like, or wanted to, and I wouldn't want to do it for TV. It just feels icky to exploit a parent like that. I get what you're saying. You're saying that the scene was it. The conversation was real and awkward that they had between them, but Mia forcing her mom to have this conversation on camera was awkward. Also, I thought it was weird yeah. that her mom has like recently got out of rehab and ordered a drink with her, which I was like, hmm. Like, even if alcohol wasn't yeah. your drug of choice, as someone who has a lot of substance issues, I know that alcohol will lead me to those substance issues. So I can never have a drink again in my life. So it's just very weird that she would have a drink with having such a like a rocky pass with drugs because the second a like sip of alcohol gets in you, you're going to go calling for that other high to come. Trust me. Yeah. I know. It's like what Katia says for, on, uh, she's always like, yeah, if I have one glass of wine, I'm going to be smoking crack by the end of the night. Like, yeah, it's like, just a pattern of things. Like it's a pattern. And yeah. Thing. You don't go from a to Z, but there's, 
Yeah, I'm by like get there. That's personally how I look at it too. I'm by no means an alcoholic, but I know the second that I have a glass of anything in me, I'm gonna go looking for other drugs, and that's what's gotten. That's what's been my demise, and why I'm sober today. Because I and she even said she's like, I don't want to, you know, trigger my mom because I know that she's like dealing with her sobriety. But then they sit down and have a martini together and then talk about her mom's past suicide. Right, which I thought was so weird when she's like, I don't want to be a reason for her relapse. But it's like, well, you're sitting with here here with her having a drink, bringing up these uncomfortable situations for you to have another season on camera. And it's it's very much like you could be triggering her relapse. Like, is that worth you on this show because without her storyline you have more than enough going on you have your husband you have your fights with the other women you're a great cast member and you don't need to exploit your mom you've turned me around i'm now on your side Nick. i understand <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you got and me there Zach, note that down zach when you're listening to this note that down that i have changed Vanessa's opinion in the actual zach zach can never time. get me there. never he's going to be listening to this like you motherfucker <laughs> yeah Never gets me there. But I mean, yeah, this was an insane scene. And it was, I mean, if we're going to continue this storyline, I just hope that their relationship builds stronger and that her mom doesn't have to endure this kind of stuff anymore. And that her mom at least tries to have a relationship with those kids at the end of the day, because I feel like that's what Mia wants out of this. So I hope that she's trying the same off camera as she is on camera. So now we go to Karen wedding dress shopping for dress number two at the Val Renewal, not dress number one. When she made Mia drive all the way up there and goes, this is actually for the second dress. And Mia goes, oh, okay now. All right. <laughs> like, I just yeah. drove fucking four hours for this shit. I think that, and like, no offense to them, but like, she's like, I already blew my budget on the first dress for 2000 And you make Mia and your friends drive all the way up there to show them a $1,500 dress or less. Like, Baby, that's an iPhone camera photo at best. Like, at just best. Snap also, it and send it. I know, Miss Karen Hugar, I love you, Mama, but um, $2,000 is your budget? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. Wendy's YSL bag that she walked in with is more money than that. I did say that, but I said that it's also nice to have a cast that's like relatable and like, it was a beautiful dress besides the back of it when she turned around. I thought it looked like she peed herself. And like that, that was so bad, was that just... weird tool on it. But like the dress was beautiful otherwise. And I don't know. Yeah, why when she turned around, that. I was like, whoa, no. She said she couldn't um, dance in the first dress, but she's going to be able to dance in this monstrosity. <laughs> like what? I just, I know that a lot of Bravo fans applaud Potomac because they're like, well, what is it? They don't have as much money as, you know, Beverly Hills in New York and you guys don't like it as much. And some people do feel that like some people watch Bravo in order to be like, I want to see a lifestyle that I can never achieve and just actually like indulge in it, whatever. But like Like when you are somebody, yeah, but when you are somebody who watches Bravo to relate to the cast, I think Real Housewives of Potomac really does that. And I think it gives you the opportunity to see yourself in their shoes whether you're white or black or whoever, because right. if Karen I honestly, Huber, I mean, who's the wealth really glamorous left. and beautiful. And yeah, the saying, wealth in like, Potomac was really Monique. Monique had that money. Monique was fucking rich. And that's why she left Bravo without looking back. And I think the rest of this cast does need the money. And I feel like this cast is almost on par with like New Jersey. Cause I don't think people in New Jersey, the New Jersey cast are that fucking rich. Like I know Dolores said she started the show and had like $500 in her bank account when she started. And 
Like a lot of the Jersey cast is really riding on this paycheck, which I think the Potomac cast is doing as well. So it is kind of relatable, but I do think that's a low budget for a dress, but maybe she should have called I up. Did too. Three could have given those gown. Karen would have looked beautiful in the pearl. The actress. The actress. The, the um, Loren. I think that the only thing uh, that was lower budget than the dress was the exterior of the building. And I literally noted that the exterior <laughs> makes me think that the other 11 or, well, I get two to three months out of the year that it's a Halloween USA and that <laughs> dresses are either part of an ABBA group costume or a Dolly Parton costume because it's a spirit Halloween. That, oh, uh, literally it's a spirit halloween but like or it's the back of a burlington coat factory and they were like we do have wedding dresses and we, a staircase if you want that guys i love a burlington coat factory so fucking much <laughs> if listen if you guys don't know this burlington's low-key like a tj maxx or marshall's but cheaper and they have some good shit sometimes they have the you know how like marshall's and tj maxx is a shit that you don't want from department stores well burlington coat factory is a shit you don't want from marshall's and tj maxx so it's very cheap. Anyways, besides the point, did they also say that the wedding was going to be at this venue? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I thought I had a stroke because I, I had to like, I, I wrote that in my notes and I was like, wait a goddamn minute. The wedding is also going to be here. Mia looked around and was like, ah, oh, okay now. Yeah, I think, I think that's all that needs to be said about this scene. It's, it was so weird and like, yeah, Giselle texts everybody about Robin's birthday and Wendy and Karen are not invited, but like, I wouldn't either. But also it this is, is why Giselle's Giselle, fault. this is why Giselle isn't a great housewife. Like she thinks she is. She's not that producer. Like uh, Bethany Frankel is, or like a Sheree, like we've talked about before, like a Tamara judge, because a good housewife or even a Kenya Moore, they invite everybody because they know that the scene will be made. If every housewife is there, they do it for the sake of television. And this is like the third time this season that Giselle's like, well, I'm not inviting so-and-so or I'm not going to so-and-so's party. No, that's not what you do as a housewife. You invite everybody because you want the scene to be incredible and you want the scene to make TV because a lot of things get cut and you want that scene to be great. And you still don't invite these women like you're stupid, Giselle. Giselle does it for the sake of looking right after the mm -hmm. fact and like not having herself called out and that's i will say that, that they said um karen said do you kick a wounded dog talking about giselle and then wendy came back with the quickness and said no but a wounded dog shouldn't kick you my yeah. job i i totally agree and i do think that karen would support giselle she was like if she would just tell me that she's hurt and like be honest about it i would support her i do think that that's the case because Karen's um, a good housewife and Karen will still show up to things for Giselle, still do things, even though she fucking loads her because she knows for the sake of this show, they need to be in the same room. Karen which is why uh, Giselle is eventually at Karen's vow renewal, which blows me away. And I want, I want to point this out. I don't know if anybody else saw this, but Karen and Ray's anniversary was yesterday, which was September 7th for their 25th. But they filmed this way back when <laughs> for the cameras and that and that they posted on that instagram and i was like that's a housewife that's a housewife karen you guys a housewife so then we go to candace and chris having a dinner scene which was basically a whatever they get into a fight about what was previously said about chris riding her coattails and chris not being there for her music video for you make me want to drive back drive back 
a bop, guys, a bop. <laughs> Every episode of the Don't Make Recap, we're going to play that song. But I mean, what does she tell Chris? I will cuss you the fuck out. And Chris is like, yeah, find someone else to do this for free because I'm out. And he just leaves her alone. And my only note was, uh, ain't nothing like a public fight than having to get in the car together. <laughs> I know, that was so <laughs> awkward. That I camera should have stayed up for that car ride home because, you know, she dragged that man for filth. And then not the shady editors, three hours later, <laughs> then walk in Giselle for a Robin's party. Giselle looked so goddamn awful. What the fuck was that shake and go $25 Amazon wig? And that and dress- she kept patting down. I'm like, stop touching it. We won't like, we won't discredit it so much. It just kept doing like patting it down. It, like, was bad. it was bad. It was synthetic. It was a synthetic wig from Amazon. Like I looked them up for Halloween this year because I want to be Reba. Um, they're 25. <laughs> they're $25. I also have looked them up because we're eventually going to do a housewife dress as a housewife party. We've been talking about this at nauseum in our group text and I think that I want to do Leah McSweeney and I'm going to do it right. I have the outfit plan, guys. Just wait for the pictures on Instagram soon. Wait, can I be invited to do Tinsley? Yeah, duh. You're duh. <laughs> okay. Invited um, to hosting it. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, Maggie my has the best other... apartment out of all of our friends. She lives alone in Hoboken. <laughs> it's a great space. Did <laughs> <laughs> you give her living in New Jersey and not New York? Um, Robin's birthday drinks. The thing that I love the most that I don't think a lot of people clog was the people sat around them fucking fully on their phones, taping everything going on, especially when Ashley walked in. She's like, yeah, I'm not getting this one down as quickly, blah, blah. This bitch behind her yellow phone. Just <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I can't even imagine that. Like, I didn't clock that. I love nothing There's more like, than the background characters of- at restaurants during a housewife scene. Do you remember during Bethany's insane Miami freak out the, it's not a cabaret. Life is actually not a cabaret, Luann. And there's a woman behind her just like, Ooh, the entire time. What I love, and this is always the case for housewives in New Jersey. Every time they go to the Jersey Shore, everyone's like, yeah, yeah. Following them around because it's, I mean, it's a delight and you expect them. Um, but Robin shows up last, per usual. And as everybody's, like, filing in, I made a mental note. I'm like, did Giselle put on the invitation dress like me? Because everybody's dressed like shit. Everyone was and dressed so bad. Good. Ashley I'm was like, wearing, like, a cut, like a cutout around her boobs, and but then it still had a high neck. And was it a jumpsuit? And then Robin had on a sparkly fully sleeve top with like pleather pants. It was, it was, Wait, did you clock that those were the same pants that Crystal Minkoff wore? They were ugly. And yes, those I did ugly clock. leather pants. Those ugly, what your ugly leather pants. Oh yeah. Um, that's exactly what they were. And that's what I noted. But like, I, I know that this is going to get uglier, but this goes back to my earlier point about Candace. Like, it's so disheartening to me because I really fucking loved Candace at the beginning of the year. Cause I was like, she gets it now. She gets, yeah. she's being she funny. Gets, she's being lighthearted. She's being, shady. she gets the math of it. She gets like the, the chemistry of like, but here okay, she goes again. A little bit shady. I can be a little bit naughty. I can be cool. This is me being funny. Then she just walked in, pissed at Chris. And we've all been this way. I mean, not you because you hate relationships, but 
we've all been pissed at our significant other and then went to other like dinner parties or whatever and like take it out on other people and just like fucking leave early and you're like i'm fucking done with this but she really showed her ass and like nobody's gonna hand it back to her because i don't think ashley's gonna really deal with it well and like we don't know but the fuck you fuck Fuck you you. fuck you that's not gonna come for a while because we, you know but again it goes back to my point that ashley is so fucking unbothered so they start this fight with basically them being like ashley what did you say to wendy to make her pop off and go so insane when giselle she was doing your dirty work because all season you want to claim that you're just looking out for your friends back by bringing up these cheating rumors about her husband but you made ashley do your dirty work and then candace goes yeah that hoe came in and out and she goes well you're calling me a hoe then she referred to her as this filthy milkmaid this filthy milkmaid which made me cackle that that one right there got me i mean that's hilarious but also she's like with your big ass head your big ass face it's like okay well she she can't fix that candace and And like should we talk about your little fucking who knows yeah it's yeah should we talk about your little who knows and everything else like she said you brought your wide body ass down to williamsburg and took your breast milk first of all this obsession with breast milk is it's getting out of hand, Candace. It's the only thing you're clinging on to. Also, it is so like low base when you bring up somebody's looks because you're not smart enough to attack them in any other way. Ashley has so much shit exactly. going on in her life that you could bring up, but you want to bring up appearance first because you're not intelligent enough, Candace, to actually have a good argument against Ashley. And it's exactly. Just, and you're built like a boy. Yeah, right. She could say that, but now we said it. Candace is built like a fucking boy. Like, yeah, everybody, she has such a great body, blah, blah. I'm like, she's a size zero and has abs and she's not working for them. That means she's built like a boy. There's nothing else to it. Like, I'm sure she has no body other than what she's paid for. So, like, for her to come after moms and everybody else, it's just like, Candace, get a fucking life, dude. I liked you at the beginning of the season. I was like, you know what? She's turning over a new leaf for me. And then that leaf turned over, browned, withered, and died. And just fell into the Central Lake Pond. I'm like, I, I can't, dude. You're so nasty. The low blows that happen. I'm like, let us do that on podcasts. You don't have to do that for us. Right. And it's just like I said, like, don't bring up someone's appearance when you can't think of anything else to bring up. I also did love Ashley being like, now I'm wide. Now I'm wide. So I'm wide. I'm wide. And then Ashley's like, oh, you guys want a body shame? She's like, I'm not body shaming you. Then what are you doing, Candace? Because talking about somebody's body in a negative way is body shaming. So what are you doing? Because that's exactly what you are doing. It was just low. And I think that this is this fight's going to get nastier and nastier. And I am excited for it. But I'm also sad that I'm not having to turn on Candace Because like you said, I loved her all season. I thought she was great. She had these one-liners. And as soon as Ashley popped out that baby, which she was waiting for, like, oh, now I can attack her again. Let's not forget that... While Ashley was in labor, Candace was tweeting at her that she was a rat-faced bitch. <laughs> like, yeah, let's not forget, Candace is not nice. She's a mean girl. I, I literally noted that she's like becoming her mother. She hates her mom, but she the apple didn't fall far from that bitch tree. So it is what it is, Candace. You know, you had us fooled at the beginning of the season, but now we no see. longer. We see your true colors shining through. I've done a lot of singing. And on now, this Zach, podcast. if you're listening, um, yeah. And now, Zach, if you're listening, we're going to do another two hours on Below Deck Med. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is actually a He's going to look at this and be like, how long is this? How long is this? Okay, guys, that was our Potomac recap. We are so excited for next week. We're going to have Maggie on super soon again. Um, but yeah, that was Potomac. Thank you guys for listening. Zach, I hope you enjoyed the episode out there. Thank you, Maggie, so much for coming on. You are literally the fan favorite now. I can't wait to have you on again. And guys, if you are following us on social media, DM us. We had so much fun today. Maggie was the one that had the idea of throwing it out there and asking questions on the story. So keep DMing us so we can kind of answer these questions on the podcast. So follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter at about underscore Bravo. We will be back next Sunday with the Salt Lake City premiere and another episode of Oh Potomac. my God. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Bye.